Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DeathRollProds.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm Dad. I'm joined today. We have Nico. Hey! No bird this week because he's busy getting some fucking weird degree and trying to be like a professional doctor or some bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> Going for history or being a teacher or something. Like some fucking We're- nerd. <laughs> One of these weeks, we're all going to be back together again. Have you noticed, like, we've basically switched off the last four episodes? Oh, yeah. Either me oh, yeah. or basically, Oh, yeah. Basically, for the entire month, basically for, like, the last three months, it's been like, all right, I can do this day. Oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. But, uh, but I mean, we make sure there is always at least an episode for the most part. We try. <laughs> but but there's – oh, Dead Man tries. He's obviously the most dedicated out of everybody. It's, That's because uh, I have nothing better to do. <laughs> it's more so, though uh, – it's just weird. It's almost as like me and Birdie either have a problem with each other <laughs> or just like – or just – or just uh, which we don't. Uh, at least I don't. <laughs> or, or we're just cooperatively tagging each other in and out. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you just go this you time. weird motherfuckers <laughs> with your jobs and your fucking schooling and your real relationships. Yeah, so <laughs> fucking weirdos. Yeah, I know. Why can't you just get on a government assisted living program and buy and rent a fucking room where you just sit in your underwear all day reading comic books? <laughs> Honestly, I really wish I could. <laughs> there's some weeks where I'm so fucking busy. Believe me, there's some weeks where I wish that was the case. <laughs> All right, well, come on down to Lindsay. I have a screwdriver. I'll bust out your kneecap, and you'll be good to go. <laughs> I'll be all set. <laughs> oh, man. Anywho. Well, good to be back. <laughs> As we're here, talk about comic books. And also, I guess, talk about the weather, because it is... This is the first time in a month that I've been able to comfortably wear pajama pants. Yeah, it's been hot as balls. It has been retardedly hot here. Yeah. And like it's super fucking weird cuz I I play a bunch of D&D games and just recently I started playing a bunch of D&D games with people not from Canada. Mhm. And so anytime they learn I'm from Canada and I'm complaining about the heat they're like, "Dude, what the fuck is it there? Like room temperature? You fucking weirdo." <laughs> no comments on uh you living in an igloo or things of that nature. <laughs> uh not that, but I have had to like tell people like, "You know we don't live in permanent winter, right?" Yeah. Like like yeah. winter it gets rough, but summer it gets just as rough in the opposite direction. Right. I know, I think people fail to realize that just because they can't get over the fact of how bad our winters are supposed to be, which they're not uh, you know, a cakewalk either, but it's one of those things where yeah, we just normally have bad weather in either direction <laughs> either it's too fucking yeah, hot yeah, just like or spring, too fucking cold. Yeah, you know, it's like spring and fall they manage to keep things like relatively even. Yeah. Yeah, but then you, but then you get into summer and winter. It goes fifty in each direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we normally have, I would say, a, a decent, maybe three to four months of weather a year in terms of like it's not too hot, not too cold. Like this time of year, once October hits, before we hit December is usually pretty good. Like I like this time of year, and then like directly after the winter for like a month or two. But but yeah, other than that, it's uh, yeah, it's you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Ugh. Welcome to the weather podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, bright, now, if turn, uh... now, if we turn to a chart, we see a cool air front coming in from the north. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's, it's, we were just bitching about how hot, hot as fuck it's been lately, so we had to express this. <laughs> I specifically worth... installed an app on my phone 
that tells me the temperature at all times. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> yes, I went out because for some fucking reason, my phone would occasionally update with something called AccuWeather to tell me what the weather is, but I cannot find it installed on my phone at all. Mm-hmm. So I installed a separate thing that has on the that has on the lock screen at all times a little circle that tells you the temperature where I am in Celsius, and it has been it was really fucking amazing to watch it go from twenty nine to fourteen. Mm-hmm. Just every once in a while, I just look back, it's like a couple degrees lower, a couple degrees lower, and I'm just like, oh, praise be. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, fuck the sun. Yeah. Praise the wind. Yeah. No, it's it's been crazy. But yeah, we uh, have been reading comics. Yeah, in between the heat and the sweating, I've <laughs> yeah, been yeah. Reading. When I when I when I was occasionally able to like rip my very sweaty nutsack off of whatever fabric I was sitting on, <laughs> yeah, I was able to have. I was able to sit down and read a comic. <laughs> a couple times, I put my arm down, and the comic actually got stuck to my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That would be terrible. Like I fucking yeah. Reading reading comic book issues with any kind of moisture on you is just asking for trouble. Yeah, because even one time I fucking went directly from taking after taking a shower to jumping on the toilet. (laughs) I was like, "Well, I'm gonna grab a comic," and then it was like still like misty in the bathroom. (laughs) So of course, the comic as I was reading it started wrinkling. And that's your problem. You need (laughs) you need to poop before you shower. I know, I know. Bad mistake. (laughs) Get all clean just to get dirty again. What can I say? (laughs) Yeah, that's my problem. Anyway, we've been reading stuff. Uh, No update on Dark Knights this week, just because. Did you guys talk about the second issue when I was gone? Uh, Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, Still batshit crazy. Do you want to give your thoughts on it? (laughs) I'm guessing you bashed the shit out of it. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah, the second issue was definitely a drop down in terms of... If you recall, uh, we were together when the first issue came out and Birdie wasn't on. Uh, We we had talked about it. I definitely thought it was way more fun and batshit crazy. I I was at least enjoying myself. Uh, while I had some issues with it, I definitely enjoyed it more so out of the two of us, I would say. But then with the second issue, I didn't love it as much as the first. Like, it's still kind of fucking crazy, but it's now with the whole connection of Snyder literally trying to connect everything in his run, in, like <laughs> the, the Corner Owl's appearance, and the Dark Side fucking baby was ridiculous. Yeah, the fucking Dark Side baby. <laughs> I forgot he existed. <laughs> that's what i mean he's definitely pulling some crazy threat like things that people have, have done in the past and bringing them to the forefront in this in this series and it's kind of bonkers like it's kind of you know what it's not bad to the point where i'm i'm not gonna read it because i'm having fun with it but it's de- i definitely have a lot of issues with what's going on in this story <laughs> like don't get me wrong but i'm enjoying seeing all the weird fucking things that are happening in this event so far <laughs> But it's really, but it's especially weird because like there are a bunch of, like, there are a bunch of Batman connected books. Yes, and of all the Batman connected books, only Teen Titans is dealing with anything. Yeah, it's. I know that's it's weird because I feel I have mixed feelings on that too because the fact that normally I complain about the events trickling into all the books 
in this case, for this one, it seems like it would probably actually add a lot of context if they actually were adding, like, tying into all of the bat titles. But it seems that that's not happening. No, so it's like, kind, it's, it's just, it's, 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 the, it's a goddamn Teen Titans Suicide Squad crossover that ties into Dark Knights. Yeah, see, that's fucking weird. That is fucking and, stupid. Yeah. Like, I know that they, It is only happening because of Robin yeah. and Harley Quinn. Because apparently yeah. Harley Quinn is now part of the Bat family. Yeah, she's considered part of the Bat line of books. She's I've I, I've also heard people consider her as as like with Marvel now like a like how big Deadpool is like like the fourth pillar beside the Trinity now, which is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> no. Which is kind of ridiculous. No. no, 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 I don't consider it. Yes, I've heard people I've heard people say if uh, say that before though. That I know I know that, you have, but to them, yeah. no. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like she's absolutely. like she is a fine character. She has had sure. some good stories. Her characterization in Injustice is amazing. Right. She is not a pillar. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I agree. I, absolutely not. But it's the yeah, Teen Titans I, are more of a pillar than Harley Quinn is. Sure, absolutely. But the way they push her fucking books right now, and just the, her her. Her, uh, what, everything basically they slap her face on. Does she still have a solo book? Oh, yeah. Yep. Double ships. They have miniseries. Okay, I have, I guess I've been subconsciously blocking it out. Yeah. Yeah, since New 52, they haven't stopped. It's the same team, Amanda Connor, Jimmy. I mean, uh, hey, good, I mean, hey, good going, keeping work, guys, but come on. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways. Yeah, so Dark Knight's Metal, it's yeah, it's it, it's there. You read any? You read, you read any of the other Batman tie-ins? I read the Batman: The Red Death one, the Flash one. Uh, <laughs> so dumb. Which was like, a mess. Which was a fucking mess. It's like, yeah, it's like hey, I took a cosmic treadmill and built it into my car. Let's fucking go. <laughs> The best part about that was the Flash freaking out, saying that he he's gonna kill him. Like he's like, is he gonna kill us both? He's like, he's he's like, like I need to save Gotham. <laughs> and he has fucking the just... Flash tied to the hood of his car like a yeah. deer. <laughs> and then, he, then you see them all like warped and distorted. As they're going through the speed force. That was just like, it was it was it was ridiculous. I really thought that was I, Oh god. <laughs> the that issue was all a nightmare. And I don't know how you felt, but I read it and it was almost as if um I missed something. Yeah, like, yeah totally like right? Like it like Yeah, it, start, it, it started was, in media as res as just a thing, and the only thing we have is like dialogue of Batman yeah. saying, Gotham is gone, I am surd. Like at the end of Dark Knight's Metal 2, the Dark, like the actual demon things actually came out and Batman disappeared. And then in its place for that first like actual solo book that's supposed to tie into metal, this the race, uh, the the flash one, uh, right? The Death. Black Death. Yeah, black yeah, that one. Um that ties in. It it it, it, it doesn't take place whatsoever after Dark Knight's Metal 2. No, like it's, it's not all- a tie-in. It is it is a fucking right. like, it is a spin-off origin story for one of the villains, which we don't right. really need. Because No, like, I know. Because like, like, it's- I was like oh yeah, the Fla- oh yeah, Batman has the flash powers. I can guess how that happened. Yeah, so it was it, it felt like I missed something. Like it really was badly like and you know the guy who's who wrote it and drew it are the guys that you know Josh Williamson who's been doing the Flash like I like that team. That's but a good this, team. It, but yeah, this, this it, is contract I, I, work. Yeah, exactly. It just it didn't work. 
As opposed to like when they did the button, when they fla- they did the crossover between Flash and Batman, that was properly executed. This oh is fuck not, yeah! This is a, this, this is, is a nightmare. Yeah, this is yeah. I don't know. But I can't wait to read the one about the cyborg <sighs> Batman. I seen that. Yeah, the death machine one. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, gonna... because you know the Batman because cyborg such. <laughs> when people think of Justice League, they think of cyborg. <laughs> Uh, it would have been so much yeah. cooler if there was a fucking Martian Manhunter Batman instead of a cyborg Batman. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, it's so awesome. Like fucking Batman, yeah. like like Batman is fucking going crazy. Martian Manhunter is trying to stop him, and then Batman like injects him with like a psychic virus that turns him into Batman. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it's pretty yeah, it's pretty pretty good idea actually. Yeah, that's not bad. I would have liked instead, to see that. But instead, no, it's hey, you, hey, hey, Victor, you know your mother box. Eat a dick. Uh, Mine now. <laughs> I can smile because Batman, you know, yep. Yeah, so at this point, I'm following my rule that I do for most books now. I'm, I might pick up a couple of the uh, one-shot things if I like the team or if, like, Scott Snyder's writing them. But um, other than that, I'll probably, if it, if it ties into any of the books for one issue, like they're doing across some of them, I'll just read those. I'm not really going to dive deep in the tie-ins. I'll just read the main Dark Knight's metal, that's enough, I think, for me at this point. <laughs> just because Why is Plastic Man there? See, that's yeah. See, and then Why? in December. Why? Why? <laughs> then in December they're doing that. Remember you discussed the the release on the show here where they talked about centering a bunch of new series around their artist, kind of like a fuck you in response to Marvel because they said that artists don't sell bo- sell books. Yeah, They're basically doing a bunch of titles of characters I-, I could give a shit about that are basically smaller tier characters that they're trying to bring back in this Dark Knight's Metal. You know how he's been trying to tie in all these like the immortal men, like the challengers of the unknown, all these characters no one endless. really cared about. Right. So, the so endless. Yeah, so in December, so in December they're starting I mean I I mean I like the endless people, don't get me wrong, but it just seems weird for them to be bringing them into the DC universe now, but it's, you know, oh, yeah, no it makes, Bart. Oh yeah, it, no it makes, Bart now, Watchmen, any property they have, yeah, right? It makes, just it makes even less in. sense when they tried to integrate like Constantine proper into the fucking DC right. universe. Right. That was horrible. I well, hate like, like, like Constantine is I love Constantine. Const- 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 Constantine's a cool character. Yeah. He yeah. does not mesh well with super people. No. Like, the only reason that he, like, kind of crossed over with Swamp Thing was because Swamp Thing is equal parts super person and horror concept. Mm-hmm. That part was cool, actually, in the second issue of Dark Knight's Metal when the, they, he led them into, like, where the Swamp Things were and they came up. Like, I love those. Ca- I mean, the supernatural characters of DC, like, Just League Dark guys, I love all those characters. But they definitely don't work well together like they work well together but not with superheroes usually yeah like 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 you said when he first came into the east universe like that first constantine series was a mess like i don't know like he's a those vertical characters they, they're much better in like this vertical side of things i think yeah well Storm had a bit of easier time integrating because they were already kind of superheroes mm-hmm. but yeah just Vertigo, Vertigo to stay on its own side of the fence. Yeah, I think it just, I think it just works better. Like you know, in small or at least in smaller appearance. Like I don't know, I, I like, I like when they cut to him and they're like, oh, him and Zatanna are like checking out the house of mystery and they're trying to get an update. 
on like if Batman, like if they could find him, like you know, whatever. That that's cool. But yeah, Constantine doesn't want to work with superheroes. Like that's the whole. He doesn't. That's he, he doesn't really want to work at all. He just kind of grifts people. Right. 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 Like he so only he only works when his own ass is on the line. Yeah. And so the idea of. So the idea of like, hey, I'm going to hang out with one of my exes and we're going to go save the world. It doesn't seem believe- yeah, believable for that character, like true to that character, for sure. Zatanna, so, makes, yeah. perf- Zatanna makes some kind of perfect sense because she is, she is built ground oh, yeah, up she- to be part of that world. And she's been part of the Justice League before. Like that's or Justice League International, one of those. Her she's and been Constantine part of- don't make sense to me. As a couple? Yeah. I, 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 did you read those detective issues not too long ago where they explained the whole relationship, uh, like the, one of the past stories about him, her and Batman? Yeah, I that, actually like that relationship. Yeah, that, that I've works. seen that before. That works yes, a that, lot. And it explains. That does work. Yeah, like, my, my whole history with Zatanna kind of like begins and ends with her appearances on Justice League Animated. Right. And her on that and the, is like yeah. her and Batman are like bros. Like, there is something mm-hmm. there, but there is, like, a lot of history there, too. Mm-hmm. And so, and so anything that, like, explores more of the history of Zatanna and Bruce, mm-hmm. I'm totally down for. Yeah, I, I liked that arc a lot, though. They told a past story about um, her and uh, his relationship, uh, uh, Zatanna and Batman. I thought he did a good job with that. It was just kind of uh, nice, like, Batman having, like, a buddy. Yeah. Like like well, yeah, like, it was, wasn't, like outside of Superman, outside of the fucking family, just him having like a buddy to just hang out with. Mm-hmm. But it just works well because Batman's the whole thing of Batman not really like I don't know if it's like if the words are proving or even believing in the whole magic aspect of things. Like, but he's just so not like it. They're just you know like the opposites attract type thing. Like it's two characters I wouldn't actually I didn't really see together, but they work so well together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, yeah I get it, you. It, yeah, so I, I I do enjoy that. So yeah, I don't know. So Batman Knights, it's still a bit of a mess, Fuck it. I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> but I am having fun with it. I I'm I'm, I'm you know I am I'm having a good time, but. Uh, it definitely has a lot of problems. <laughs> and don't forget, everybody, this November also begins the Doomsday, Doomsday Clock, so be sure to pick up both current, ongoing, universe-altering <laughs> DC Comics events. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'll be talking about both. Fuck. <laughs> I'll be talking about both and reading them. Yeah, I, uh, ugh. I know. Fucking, you couldn't wait till January? Like, fucking I think- Dark Knight, Dark Knight's ends in december like that is that is when the last book ships according to your own fucking schedule so why not start the new year by having the fucking dawn of a new age in the dc universe by having fucking dr manhattan come in there and fucking teabag everybody i don't know (laughs) i know i was i've i've said many a times on this show even that i was uh I, I I thought they've been doing a great job of actually not doing huge events so far in this rebirth rollout now they're marveling themselves now they're doing two big ones at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Two two storylines that they've been hinting at throughout the whole first year and a half or however long, almost two years that they've been doing. Yeah, re- and that I, are yeah. giant. Yeah, exactly. They're not just small ones. Like, 
That's what I mean. Like if they continued, like the thing, the the things that they were doing with the, a couple of the small crossovers between the books, the uh, the button things like that were crafted well, I think. But like this now, doing the Doomsday at the same time as the Dark Knight's Metal is happening. But but at the same time, like you were saying, like the, but if they continue not to cross over into all the books at the same time, maybe it won't feel as bad because if you don't want to read those, you don't have to. Right, but if it starts trickling into everything, then it's going to be become problematic. Well, because I can't. Well, that, that's yeah. kind of the implication. Like with like right, like Jeff Johns has kind of come out there and talked about how yeah. like big this event will be, and this is something that has been hinted at since Rebirth begin. This is the inciting incident of Rebirth. Mm-hmm. So N- you can't. So you can't not have this have an impact. That's like, true. I, I know D. I know it is. I know it is like built into the DNA of DC event books to have them be self-contained things that have no impact on anything outside of their own story. You know, interesting, interesting consequences be damned. Right. But this is something that they need to do. They have to have this matter. And like, not just from like a narrative perspective, but like from like a fucking meta perspective too. like from outside looking in, this is, one of the biggest events and also kind of one of the biggest fuck used to ever happen in comics. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Big fuck you to Alan Moore. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, the I, original writer. Yes. Yes. A man he's now who's, a hermit. A man who's actually has complained about uh, uh, debt issues or bankruptcy in the past, but yet has refused money that they've offered to pay him for royalties for the certain things that they've done over the years which is crazy to me like but you know what hey listen he, he i i don't know if i can respect that but at the same time it's it's pretty it's pretty funny that he actually has not taken everything they've tried to throw at him the, i respected uh, it up to a point yes exactly there yeah that's yeah I'm, it's, I'm with, it's like hey, it's, it's like it's like dc fucked him over like for those who don't know when alan moore originally wrote uh, watchman he it was essentially like dc owned the like DC owned the like Alan Moore like owned the rights or something to a certain like to certain aspects of things but the way it was worded it didn't include graphic novels which didn't exist at the time that, so then when DC right. made new graphic so when DC like packaged repackaged it as a graphic novel Alan Moore didn't get dick yeah w- and essentially what it was was uh, the uh, it was that if it ever go once it goes out of print the rights would revert back to Alan Moore and therefore, at that time, since there was no trades, he would—he th- was thinking once it's off the shelves, that's it. It's gone forever. Fucking, we are good. Right. And then DC right. was like, and then DC <laughs> Yo, was like, we're hey, keeping it right. on this forever. <laughs> all right. So, what if? Here's an idea. What if we didn't pay him? I have this mm-hmm. new idea. It's called a—it's called a trade. Mm-hmm. You ever seen an almanac? It's like those, but full of comics. At which point somebody at which point somebody sneezed into their fucking cocaine, creating a cloud of it, and everyone's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> yep, and that's how they screwed over Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's how you know comic negotiations go. Yeah, read understanding comics is all in there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a very famous yeah story about how they basically between that and and Dark Knight. Dark Knight wasn't the same because that was Batman, even though. 
And then, you know, you have the people that obviously criticize him because they're like, oh, well, you just took the Charlton characters and changed them. But no, Watchmen was an original creation, even though he obviously took the archetypes of those characters from, like, the Charlton people. But that that was something that he created and, you know, was very proud of at the time. But since then... It's basically shit over anything, all over anything DC has done in association with it before Watchmen, and now that is this newest thing, Doomsday Clock. You yeah. Know? So that's that's. So you publishers know, are so dicks. It, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Can't trust them. It's a business. Yeah, it's a business. Just, I'm sorry to say. Just throughout history, you you hear hundreds of thousands of fucking stories of comic creators getting butt fucked by publishers, mm-hmm. to the point where it actually leads them destitute, kind of. And that there are now multiple charities set up specifically to help comic creators who got fucked in the ass by their publishers. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. They, yeah I know. Let's we'll talk about the industry for almost a half hour. Yeah. I guess we'll move on. <laughs> yes. So. Nico. A lot of ranting and raving. All right. Let's start with you. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll, save, we'll save the big thing. We'll save the thing that we'll save the thing we've been fucking teasing at, I guess, for like a couple weeks now for the end. Uh, wait. What's that? What are you talking about, <laughs> dude, you, dude? You know, you fucking know. Do I? <laughs> yes. You wanted to read it for this week, but didn't because of other things. Oh, that happened. yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have also not got a lot of sleep the last two days. <laughs> um. Okay. Fuck so uh, let's let's jump. Uh, hopefully the ranting doesn't continue on your side with this first title I'm going to talk about. Let's talk about some Green Lanterns, shall we? <laughs> I mean, I picked it, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really still enjoy this book. This is a welcome surprise of the DC Rebirth in my eyes. I, I've i had... Every time I, I put it on the list that you made me talk about the other how Jordan and the Green Lanterns book to your <laughs> to your glee of, of of you know just having to get to bash fucking hell some more um, and even me admitting that the series is definitely uh, taking a turn for the worse with the last volume that I reviewed uh, even though I I thought it was not bad when it first started this Green Lantern series though ha- has really been great I think I have really been enjoying this I think Sam Humphreys. Uh, I did not, for whatever reason, Sam Humphreys has written a lot of things between Marvel and DC that I've enjoyed, but yet I still don't think of him as a big a writer that whose work I'm like, oh, Sam Humphreys is writing that. And I look forward to it. But when I've, I was thinking about it the other day after I read this, I'm like, you know what? He's actually done a few things I've enjoyed on both, uh, at both companies now where I can actually say that I think he's a, he's an accomplished writer and that I think he, he has done some pretty good work. Oh yeah, and, totally. He has done... Sam Humphreys is a weird presence in comics. Yeah, it's just, uh, he just manages, uh, that's what I mean, for some reason, like, he's been around for a while now, uh, he's definitely done, like I said, multiple things that I have enjoyed, that I've read, but I still don't think of him as a big name for whatever reason, and I don't know why that is, like, he, he's not, like, to me, like a Jason Aaron or a Hickman, um, he definitely came after that wave of creators, like, he was probably... He was part of, like, the Dennis Hopeless and the uh, Nick Spencer or the Charles Soule. Like, he came he came after the whole kind of um, whatever that fucking stupid thing Marvel did was where they kind of highlighted all their writers. The, Marvel uh, Now? No, no, it wasn't that. It was the 
Marvel Young Guns or something. <laughs> I remember, you remember that? Like they, they I tried do to like, not. oh, it was a horrible campaign. It was when they tried to campaign for a bunch of their popular writers at the time, and they put actually put an ad out. It was like when Fraction and like. Bendis. And mind you, none of these people are young at this time. <laughs> they, they, they were trying to they were trying to show off. Um, if you were to Google it, you'll see they were they were trying to like, trying to showcase. I guess all their big writers they had before everybody left and fucked off and went to Image. Like they had a great great set of writers at that time. Remender was there, even though I don't think he was part of the fucking Marvel Young Young Guns thing. Yeah, um, they did. So. Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to look up stuff about fucking Young Guns, and all I'm getting is all new Young Guns. <laughs> yeah. um, the all new Young Guns was a new group of people that were chosen in 2014. Yeah, that's not it. That is what I believe they called it, but... Uh, yeah, so the old Young Guns... <laughs> yeah, anyways. Appar- apparently included uh, Jim Chung, uh, Olivier Quapel. So I pronounced your name wrong. I'm horribly sorry. And Steve McNiven. Oh, okay. I guess maybe that's when they were trying to show off certain artists they had or something. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, that's that. Uh, that was a thing. I'm pretty certain. Whatever the fuck they called it, they were basically just trying to show off all the creators they had. And uh, <clears throat> and um, Sam Humphreys, though. Like I said, I've really enjoyed his work. And on this Green Lantern book, I've really enjoyed. Learning about Jessica Cruz and uh, and Simon Baz, who I actually did not have too much history uh, uh, with prior to Rebirth, only because uh, I kind of seen. I think Jessica was in the Justice League book with Jeff Johns before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Jessica, yeah, Jessica Cruz was introduced in yeah. Forever Evil. Right. So I had a little bit of experience with her, but I had little to no experience with Simon Baz other than the times that you guys talked about him on the show. Yeah, Baz was introduced uh, uh, years ago uh, after Hal Jordan was that quote, in the unquote, Justin died. Jordan? Was that in the Justin Jordan Green Lantern series that he... Or Maybe? Okay. I know that he kind of popped up in between all the, the other... Because remember they had the Red Lanterns, then they had, um, they had a bunch of different... Green Lantern titles, like the core book, I guess, that was at New 52. He's, so, and I, I know sometimes he'd pop up in those, but I, I, I just never really have read a lot of Green Lantern stuff. Okay, so, so yeah. Je- yeah, so Simon Baz was uh, created for Jeff, was created by Jeff Johns and Doug Mankey. Okay. Uh, first showed yeah. up in the Free Comic Book Day New 52 Special Edition. Okay. Uh... uh and but yeah, Simon Baz was neat. Yeah, so in in this in this volume of Green Lanterns, the first two volumes have basically just been focusing on the character development of these two people. I mean, Jessica with her issues of having like major anxiety and you know not being able to get out of bed or leave the house and do things, and Simon basically trying to help her kind of you know become more comfortable with things in her life. And then also Simon struggling with a lot of his anger issues and, and obviously issues with the, the attachment to him always holding the gun and what happened to his family and the fact. Uh, yeah, and everybody's like, like, he a terrorist. Yeah, and then they kind of had like the whole, like you learned about like his his culture, like uh, I think he's also Muslim, right? I, yeah, I believe, yeah, he is Muslim. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they talked about, there was an issue in the last volume because this is volume three I'm talking about right now. I've been reading this to trade. Um, there was a great, 
single issue where they kind of Jessica visited him at home and and met the rest of like his family, like his brother that's married. No, no, that's not his brother. It's his sister that's married to this guy who was like his best friend, and uh, and they and like they learn about like um, they make some some cookies while they're there that I guess they're a part of like um, like uh, uh, him uh, as he's Muslim. I guess they were celebrating Eid or something like that. It was one of those holidays, and they were making like you, you, it was almost like a, it felt like very like a Kamala Khan type issue in Ms. Marvel where you got to learn about. Uh, her being Muslim and some uh-huh. of her culture and all that. So I really enjoyed that and I've really been enjoying learning about like, and I really think it's, it actually is a really fucking clever idea, the fact that she's got anxiety and she's a Green Lantern. I know that some might think that's stupid, but I think it's it's actually one of Jeff John's better fucking ideas for oh, no, the character, it's, I thought. It, 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 work, it works really well in context. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like, and, uh, okay, so for those who don't know, uh, In Forever Evil, uh, it was the reintroduction of the crime syndicate. And on the crime syndicate, there's a guy called, you know, Power Ring, who is the Green Lantern equivalent. And his thing is that the Power Ring goes after, goes, attaches itself only to people that have an insane amount of fear. People who are afraid of everything. And it feeds off that. And that's what powers it. Mm-hmm. And so after the Power Ring wielder from the crime syndicate fucking dies, uh, the Ring finds Jessica Cruz, who is just hanging out at home, terrified of fucking everything. Ring gets on. She goes fucking crazy. And then the Flash begins – the Flash, like, and the Justice League, they kind of, like, get a hold of her and begin helping her work through her issues, which then leads to her getting the fucking Green Lantern ring. Mm-hmm. It's all really – it's all really well done and really – it speaks to it, – it is a it is a good, like, kind of organic way for the world to show her character growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Sam Humphreys has really picked up on that and really has gotten the chance to – through inner inner monologue between the two characters within these first couple of trades that I've read in this Green Lantern series has really done an excellent job, I think, so far of just uh, for a new reader of these characters like me, only knowing kind of like the basics of kind of what these two characters are about, and them being now the two Green Lanterns of Earth since Hal fucked off into space and the whole Green Lantern Corps has been dealing with the space aspect of the whole space, um, you know, like space cops type stories that they've space been cop. doing. Yeah, um, I've really enjoyed this, and uh, in this third volume, for the first time, they're finally teaming up with other heroes, and it's just it's hilarious because I guess in the Justice League book now that they're actually part of the Justice League, the one that you mentioned, maybe with the babies and stuff that recently, the Brian Hitch one, I yeah. guess now they're part of that team. Um, in the first issue in this trade, they talk about them teaming up with the Justice League, and it's just funny how they're just proud to be on the front line with these heroes that have so much more experience and know each other so much better, and they they're they're, they're you know they're afraid that they're gonna you know fuck up uh simon's obviously cocky he's a cocky guy but at the same time like he's really inside like he feels like like he's gonna let everybody down he tries his you know his hardest but he's not always gonna you know he jessica has to pull pull through and and overcome her fear of stuff and actually save him a couple times in the different different scenarios and you really feel like they have love for each other and they actually enjoy working with one another and they balance each other out very well and uh um, and then the other, then there's a two issue crossover, which is just fantastic, uh, with Batman showing up and basically calling for their, their help. And Simon's just losing his shit because he's like, Oh man, Batman's like, you know, he wants to team up. Let's go. And they, and then he basically, he basically doesn't want to look stupid in front of Batman. But then there's a whole aspect that he carries a gun and Batman obviously hates people that's, that carries, carry guns. So. 
again, something really simple, but the way that Sam Humphreys kind of dives into it, like you, they, they really, they talk about how he doesn't like guns and, and the whole thing. Like he, he needs the gun, like in his head and he tries to tell him, no, 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 no you don't need a fucking gun. Like, you know, you're better than that and all this yeah, kind of thing. So, yeah. So, but, but he shows up and you know he, my origin he, story. <laughs> he shows up and, and like Simon's like, he, like they're, they're surveying a crime scene and he tells him basically what's going on with it. And it's some sort of fear, uh, based scenario. And he's like, Oh, obviously it's the scarecrow. We're in Gotham. He's like, problem solved. He's like, he's solved. <laughs> like he's just trying to show off in front of Batman. Batman's like, yeah. no, I think I, I, I know if it's scarecrow. He's one of my rogues, please. Like, <laughs> it's like, bitch, you're new to the game. Step off. <laughs> Pretty much, but then the funny part is what you what you do end up finding out that it is the fucking scarecrow, but he is taken over by the yellow Green Lantern. <laughs> like so, so it's just like major fucking fear induced scarecrow, uh, even more overpowered, and uh, it's just like a fun little two issue team up between them. And then uh, towards the last couple of issues, you see them connect finally with the. Uh, Green Lantern Corps and Dr. Polaris is, uh, the enemy that kind of starts dealing with them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it was fun finally. They take, they've taken this long, uh, how many issues is collect? This is 15 to 21. So the first, I guess, 14 issues, they weren't really even teaming up with that many people other than, you know, a couple stories about with them with the, um, the guardians and stuff like that. But for the most part, um, they've been keeping themselves. You've been learning about these characters. You finally get to see them team up with a whole bunch of people. Uh, so it's been good. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and I'm actually just going to send you a pic right now, which was the, the one hilarious thing I would say from this, uh, <laughs> from this issue was an awkward fucking page where they're teaming up with Justice League in the first <laughs> issue and Flash is just awkwardly speed, speeds up to Jessica and it is like cock thrusting. Yeah, it did. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I saw Aang from Avatar the Last Airbender use that move to knock Zuko into a wall. I mean, I don't watch that, so I don't know the reference, but it, it basically Jessica's standing there and the Flash just had a crush on her. Yeah, and, like, yeah, he, just fucking, like, he just fucking like runs up and it looks like he's running up with his hands on his hips. So unless, unless it like pans down to the ground and we see like fucking skid marks. <laughs> the artist just did a horrible job of showing because like in her inner monologue she's like does the flash have a crush on me and like <laughs> basically he's right beside her like zipping towards her with his like <laughs> like thrusting almost yeah it's, yeah, it's like three blocks away he just kind of like set up that like he he fucking like was a couple miles away he's like all right all right fucking that girl's there gonna fucking do this and it's like, it just begins running at fucking top speeds and then just puts <laughs> his hands on his hips and stops running to skid into place <laughs> and it's like stops hey what's up Oh man! If Looking you good, put girl. This, How's that green doing? If you're able to put this as the picture for the show, you said <laughs> it looks so ridiculous. <laughs> oh man, I I just I thought it was a really bad choice of the artist to draw it like that. I was like, this is. <laughs> Again, this says nothing. The picture I'm showing Dead Man right now, it has nothing to do in terms of the uh, how much I enjoyed the book, but it's just, it was one ridiculous fucking it scene of the art. Yeah, it happens, right? So I, I had a good laugh when I seen it anyways. So yeah, so like I said, Green Lantern, it's an unexpected surprise out of uh, DC Rebirth for me. I've really enjoyed it, and, and I don't know if you heard, but they recently just uh, announced... Uh, made the announcement for probably one of the, actually the first, um, creative team switch ups since they've done since rebirth that I, that, uh, that I can remember. Um, at least a notable one. Uh, Tim Seeley, who writes Nightwing and Sam Humphreys are actually going to switch books. Oh. So Tim Seeley, uh, I've been enjoying both books 
and and Sam and Tim's jobs on Nightwing and Green Lanterns, respectively. But uh, so the fact that they're going to be switching it up, uh, I'll probably end up sticking with both of them just because I've liked both their takes on those characters. Yeah, yeah both- I've really been enjoying Tim Seeley's Nightwing up until yeah. like the most recent issue or two. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Just I mean, like, it's Sean is great. She deserves better than that shit. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, Nightwing definitely for me has been more up and down, but the highs have been much, uh, really good, uh, more so than the lows. Like it's it's definitely been a good series. Like yeah, but not he's kinda, like, but, he, but he's kind of dropped leg dick because his ass hasn't looked that great lately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There hasn't been an issue dedicated to his ass in a bit, so <laughs> that's been kind of uh, disappointing. But no, no, like not even not even issue dedicated. It's like any issue where he, where it shows him from the backside. That th- that shit is just like flat now. You can't even. You probably like. Look a fucking pancake. Before you can fucking bounce a quarter <laughs> off that shit. Now the quarter will just fucking like hit and fall. It's true. He he wrote he wrote the best ass in the DC universe much better when he was on um what was it? Grayson. <laughs> it's, no, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's just a matter of artist. Yeah. This maybe. artist doesn't seem like he's the best ass man. <laughs> no. So hopefully, you know, Sam brings it back to the forefront, the best ass in the DCU when he he uh he comes over and does uh that's right by Nightwing. Yeah, and specific, the way he wrote- specifically writes in the script that that motherfucker is thick. <laughs> um, so Sam did a great job of doing Batman in these issues that they crossed over in. I thought he had a good voice for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, write one of the characters in the, in the Bat universe with Nightwing uh, when they switch over. So yeah, so uh, I think there's probably about one more volume of Sam writing Green Lanterns Volume 4, I think, will be his last volume of the collected versions. And then uh, Tim will be starting in shortly after that. So I look forward to that. So um, so yeah, Green Lanterns, like I said, it's been a, an enjoyable surprise for me just because I don't have a lot of experience with these guys. And uh, yeah, and Sam's uh, doing a good job. So yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. So... My first book is a bit of a weird one. Sure. So, it is a comic book that is that serves as the origin story for a live for a live streamed D and D game. Oh, okay. Huh. Yes. That is interesting. Yeah. So, Critical Role, for those who don't know, is. Kind of one of the one of the main reasons that like young people nowadays know what Dungeons and Dragons is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a it is a live stream done by Geek and Sundry, uh, which is which is like this big collective of fucking people that work. It's owned by Legendary. It's a fairly big thing. Felicia Day started it, and it is a bunch of voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons live on the internet. Right, you were telling me about this actually before. Yeah, it right. is. Yeah. And like these, and like. These aren't like these aren't like small name voice actors. These are fucking like relatively big name people. Like it's Matthew Mercer, uh, Laura Bailey, Ashley Johnson, Travis Willingham, Marisha Ray, uh, Sam Regal, and Towson Jaffe. All of them are well known in the in like the game industry and like and especially in, in, in like voice acting circles. Like you fucking play Injustice. Like mm-hmm. that is. Of the people I just listed, only three of them aren't in that game. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So they're 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 very heavily involved. These oh, are, and, oh, and Liam O'Brien. I forgot one. Liam O'Brien. He's in there too. I'm just grabbing big names and and putting them on a show. These are people that actually are fans of the of the of the of this thing and play. 
Yeah, yeah. So yes, like this. This was a this is a big deal. Like this fucking got. This is like one of the main reasons people like know and so, and are subscribed to Geek and Sundry. Like, look, like if you look at their fucking like video numbers, every Critical Role episode has like five times the views of every other fucking video. Oh wow. Okay. And yeah, it's a big thing. They are like a hundred. They're like over hundred episodes deep now. They are getting towards the finale of the current arc. At which point they will roll new characters and start again. Mm-hmm. At least that's what they've said. And so, and so yeah, the, the group is like these, this group of people, uh, these, all of them have their own characters. Uh, I won't, I won't get too deep into it cause I, cause I just kind of don't, there's a lot to get into. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Critical Role, this, Vox Machina this Origins. Is the comic. Yeah, Critical this Role, is the comic Vox Machina that, Origins is a comic book that tells the story of Vox Machina, their adventuring party before the stream before all this shit and essentially this gives you the backstory of how this group came together okay yeah uh it is the story was written by matthew mercer who is the dungeon master who like runs the game and everything and matthew colville who is a writer i believe he works for like turtle rock okay let me just double check that i like matthew colville he has a He's a YouTube channel where he does a bunch of videos about uh, like D and D and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I know that he is also like an actual facts writer doing shit. Yeah, he's the lead writer at Turtle Rock. They're a game development studio. Uh, they made Evolve. But yeah, so he is a he's a writer, and it's also drawn by uh, Olivia Sampson, who I believe is. One of their one of like Critical Role's stable fan artists. Okay. Yeah, on one of the one of the main one of like the other things that came out of this was the fact that like Critical Role they have a stupid wide collection of people who are like really talented who do a lot of artwork for them. Hmm. And yeah, so the first issue uh, mainly focuses on two characters, Vaxildon and Vexalia. They are twin half elves. Uh, played by uh, Liam O'Brien and Laura Bailey. Um, Vax, the guy, is a rogue. You know, thief and shit. And then Vex, the girl, is a ranger. Mm-hmm. And she has a pet bear. And so... As you know, the book starts out with uh, in Stillben, a town that has been referenced a lot in the Critical Role show. And yeah, it's about these two. It's about these two, Vax and Vex, as as they've been hired by the townsfolk to figure out what the fuck's going on with this weird swamp where people have to give their babies to it. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And so, let's say the book mainly follows these two. Uh, it also brings in uh, Keyleth, a half elven druid played by Mercheray, mm-hmm. who is. She's an odd presence. Like, uh, she, people seem to really not like her. Okay. Like, I can kind of like, get it. She's, she's like her like, character or the person themselves that he, plays this character in the campaign. Yes. Okay. It's, it's the thing where people can't separate the character and the actor. Okay. Right. And also some of the times, like, like because it is D and D, all the bad choices people don't like about the character are made by her. Right. 
So you would automatically not like this person if you don't like the choices they're making. Yeah, it's, like one of the like yeah. in a recent episode, uh, Marisha Ray as Keyleth uh, dove off a one thousand foot cliff, headfirst into rocks, and before turning before hitting the rocks, turned into a goldfish so that it would be easier to hit the water. <laughs> she then okay. hit yeah she then hit the rocks, scattered into the surf, and immediately died. And was okay. then kind of incredulous about it. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> not not in like a not in like a real shitty way. Just in a right. like just in a like disbelief just as like, to what fuck happened. It. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because the way because like the way uh, the way Mercer DM described it, like you have a you have a kind of even chance of hitting the rocks or water. So then he rolled percentile, like above fifty, you hit rocks; below fifty, you hit water. And she hit rocks. <laughs> <laughs> taking over 300 points of damage which yeah, was well, you... which was more than double her max hit points which if you know which you play D&D you know that means instant death right <laughs> oh man but yeah so the story is about uh these two uh Bax and Vex investigating this shit going in going into the fucking woods going into the swamp doing investigating stuff meeting Keyleth and finding out what is happening. And it is... Eh. Uh, okay. Hmm. Like, it's... It's a similar problem of, like, people making movies and stuff about video games. Especially video games that are deal he- that deal heavily in player choice. Mm-hmm. Where... Where, like... By making it a movie, you are removing one of the core aspects of the game, which is I get to choose these things. Like, right. I inform the character, I inform this and stuff. And with this, it is somebody else's interpretation of somebody else's made-up character. And it's not its not like they went in there and, like, specifically said, all right, I have this, 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 and this, I do this, I do this, I do that. This is D&D. D&D is you come up with, you come up with something of a backstory and then just kind of do whatever the fuck you want. Mm. And so with this, having it be a – and so with this, like, having things be so set. Like, hey, Vax has this character. Vax has this character. They are this skilled and they can do this many things. Mm-hmm. Which takes out a lot of what makes D&D work, which is natural ones. Okay. Because with a natural one, you fail instantly, no matter what you're doing. Right. And so there's a scene in here where – uh, Vax and Vex, they are probably like low to mid level at this point. Okay. Yeah, like uh, in D and D, the system at least, uh, the like rules is written. It goes to max level twenty. This is at the beginning, so probably around like level four or five. I'm guessing. Mm. And so, so at that point, like yeah, they they, they are they are skilled people, but them. Doing things still carries the risk of them fucking up. And so in this, they get ambushed by like eight people. All of them presumably using like guard stats or like assassin stats or something. Like not terrible, not terribly difficult, but not like a cakewalk either, especially with especially given their number. But in it, they get hit like maybe once each against eight people. 
and which so, is not realistic, like in the sense. Well, it's, that it's, not, it's not. It's not that it's not realistic. It's that it is too good. It's almost like every single hit is a fucking natural twenty. Right, especially if you said that they're on the low uh, scale of things. Uh, right. Okay. Is that what you're saying? Like it, it kind of yeah. Like it. Right. It just. It's just it, this is being written. So okay. it, this is being written. So the person writing it sets the characters up in such a way and sets these situations where there is no chance of something going wrong mm-hmm. unless that unless it is the story yeah it's difficult if they're trying to be true to the game itself but at the same time they're actually trying to propel a story forward so like D D is a really interesting storytelling tool but it is a improvisational storytelling tool right so the dm Speak for some level of experience. Mm. Not much, but like some. <laughs> sure. The DM will do his best to set up a world. He'll do his best to set a story. Like, hey, this is the bad guy. This is this. This is this. We go here, here, here. We do this, this, and this. This is how this all works. And then the player comes in and does none of that. Like, there like there are a few times where I, like, set up a trap or something and... The people are like, all right, so I'm just going to do, go do this. It's like, oh, fuck, yeah, that works. Yeah, Shit. but meanwhile, you're focused on setting this other thing up, and they just kind of go about it their own way and fucking totally mess up your whole... Yeah, like, whole like, one, of the thing, yeah. Like one of the things was, uh, like, in a party that I had, I had set up like this place where, like, they had... They had essentially two options to go to do something. They were trying to raid the, raid the storehouses of a crime boss in the city, and they had two choices. They had a choice of going into one in a more tech-based district and one going into a more magic-based district. Mm-hmm. They went to the one in the magic-based district. And so I set it up as this house of, like, this old arcanist who had fucking – who had long since gone. Like, he wasn't there anymore. But there were still traps laid there. A trap in the front door and a trap in the back door. All the windows boarded up. And so, and so I was like, all right, so I fucking designed this trap. It does this, this, and this. They can, they can like, unlock it with this and do this. And then – the guy who I forgot was a bird person who can fly flies up to the roof and breaks a hole through the roof. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. You could do that. Right. Fuck. <laughs> but then that also led to a thing of having our fucking druid trying to climb the fucking side of the wall with a rope and having such shitty rolls that he just can't get any traction and gets like fucking five feet up and then falls flat in his ass. And so it's yeah, shit so, like that. There is a level right. of there is a level of randomness in D anD D that adds so much to the storytelling mm-hmm. that is kind of lost once right. somebody else says this is what is happening right now. Right. Yeah. So that's that's why it's interesting you even saying like like when you you told me that this is a comic, but yet they are basically depicting people playing this but at the same time are trying to tell the story of their their actual campaign and characters that's the thing like like, that's the thing there is no there is no uh playing aspect of it this is oh okay so yeah this is these characters that were played by these people in these people's voices but are now being written in somebody else's voice as a full-on actual fact story oh okay so i misunderstood i thought that it was actually the i thought like 
So you're just using your knowledge of knowing who these people are, but they didn't actually go in and explain all that. Like when you actually read in the comic, yeah, yeah. This this comic, this comic is not made for the average person to go pick up and go. Oh yeah, I'll read this. Let's see what this is. This is a comic written for fans of Critical Role. Yeah, that's a shame then, because then it seems like they failed in terms of like because like usually some comics are like, who the fuck is this comic for? This comic is obviously for fans of that, but you're saying it in terms of like uh, you're saying that that the the way they actually went about it, they they maybe failed in that sense of trying to bring this to the comic medium. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's disappointing. But I mean, did you enjoy it already having all that context? Of uh, kind of. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I still. I still. Don't, I don't think it's terrible. Like the story itself right. is interesting. It's just character writing that kind of falls flat for me. And sure. Like and like combat encounters and moments where things can fuck up. Right. Like this won't mean much to you, but should they ever come across a door, I do not believe they will be able to write that properly. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's why I'm just trying to understand as well as you're talking about. Okay, huh. But one thing that really does carry this is the art. Olivia Sampson, the artist on this, she's fucking incredible. Okay. The art in this is real fucking good. She's able to put in this insane amount of detail with these characters, able to show, like, actual progression of, like, time. Like, like at, at the beginning of it, there are kind of, like, four panels that sh- – actually, three panels that kind of show where the characters are now – where they mm-hmm. were in the previous iteration of the group and where they were before the group existed. Okay. And those three panels work really well in like actually showing a reverse progression of time on a lot of these characters. And I really dug that. It was a really great way to actually start this book off. And when we get into like like background-wise, it works really well. Character design works really well. Uh, action stuff is all right. Uh, like 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 uh like in that last like in that final like action scene thing um they're like I could tell what's happening it just didn't have a particularly big amount of energy to it as opposed to the first fight where it was Vex and Vax against some mer people and a shark right because you know swamp sharks <laughs> yeah they managed to uh, Olivia Simpson manages to. She she has a history apparently of drawing these characters, and so that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Of like of like drawing these characters in such a way that is immediately recognizable who they are, what they do, how they do things, and like facial expressions too. She managed to get a lot of detail into like their outfits and stuff without it being without it being like too ridiculous when when they go like for long distance shot and things lose detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this book is this book is this book is an all right thing for critical role fans, I think. Okay. It's not some fuck it's not as good as the show by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Largely because it can't. Like what people come to for the show, what people come to the show for, it's impossible to transmit into a scripted pre-written comic book. You think that they kind of just did this because they know that maybe a lot of f- the people, fans of them, are also comic fans, or do you think they actually had like an interest in like doing comic work? Like, uh, that's a hard, hard one. Hard to say, right? Yeah, no, just because it just seems uh, interesting that they would cross over to that medium as well, trying to trying to put this uh, into a comic book. It's actually, it's actually funny because this is like this is actually their second comic attempt with Critical Role. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Er, yeah. Earlier in the uh, earlier in the critical role run of the sh- like the show, um, Talson Jaffe and Marisha Ray, two cast members of the show, actually wrote a comic strip detailing a different part of an adventure they had, mm-hmm. and that worked, I think, a lot better. Mainly because the person writing it, the person who actually wrote the script for it, the people who wrote the script for it are part of the show. They know the voices. They know kind of how things work and what their group is like. Mm-hmm. I think in a better way than somebody just watching the show. Okay. But yeah. Uh, it's this, this is, I believe, a six-issue mini. Is this just online or is who's uh, No, uh, this, this is a Dark Horse book. Really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, wow. So this is really much bigger the, the, than this I is, even... This is a for real Z's fucking comic book. Uh, oh, okay. I thought this whole time this was maybe like something they self-published or something. Oh, wow. No, but huh. this is this is brought to cool. you by motherfucking Dark Horse. Cool. That's that's good for them, then. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Uh, Critical Role, Vox Machina Origins, number one. It's out. It's pretty all right. Just yeah, you'll be sticking with it. I'm guessing just because yeah, I'll probably I'll probably be sticking with it just because I like it. Right. And also, I yeah, just fuck, man. The art is really good. It is. Sorry, what's what's, who's the artist again on it? Uh, Olivia Samson. Okay. S a m s o n. Actually, see if I can pull up some stuff while you move on to your next book. Okay, yeah, cool. Because I want to just take a look at that. Okay, cool. All right, so the next book I'm going to talk about is uh, Jane. Jane is a, an original graphic novel um, that came out from Arkea, now is owned by Boom, uh, I believe. And uh, it is drawn. Basically, the reason I checked out this book, which I'll get into a, into a sec, into it in a moment. Uh, it's mainly because of Ramon Perez. Uh, Ramon Perez, who's, uh, you know, I guess most recently you could have seen him over at Marvel do a lot of work for them. Uh, he did some work on the most recent uh, Nova series where he drew some of it. Uh, he's he's done work on Dan Slott and Spider-Man. He did some issues with Wolverine and the X-Men. He was actually... the uh, most notably, in terms of maybe stuff we talked about on the uh, on the show, I guess we he was the artist that uh, drew the Hawkeye book with Jeff Lemire, the painted style, and he kind of also drew, uh, painted it in some pages, and then kind of just like his more sketchier stuff. The rest of it, uh, he's a very very good artist. He 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 he, uh, he did a book on original graphic novel called Tales Tale of Sand, which was an adapted. Uh, Jim Henson script. If you've never seen that book, that was the first thing I heard about him when he kind of broke into the industry that he got noticed for. I think he won an Eisner or something for it. It was like one of these original graphic novels that they came out with years ago that's just beautifully illustrated. I own a copy of it. I, I had heard about it, seeked out the book. It was a Jim Henson script of a, for a movie that he never actually did while he was alive, I believe. Uh, it was called Tale of Sand, and it, it's there's barely any words in it. It's mostly just Ramon Perez's art. Uh, really, really great looking stuff. Anyways, that's what brought me to this book because the book. I'm gonna check out this uh, picture that you sent in the meantime as well. Yeah, this it, book. It's, it's, it's a comicsology page. They have a few preview pages in there. Preview pages. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the art right now. A dead man sent me for the critical role. Yeah. This this does look good. Yeah. 
I like it. Yeah, I it, like it a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something that you always uh like. Fan artists are not necessarily great. Uh, Absolutely, are not necessarily like great uh, sequential storytellers. Right. I was but, I was just about to say that. But they this, really could, lucked out with uh, Olivia Sampson here. I, I was just about to say that. Yeah, you took the words around. I was about to say like it actually tells it, it. It actually shows that she can actually tell a story here. Yeah, this is great. Like even like the um, on this this page here where it just shows the close up of her eyes darting around. Like you said, the expressions on their face. Yeah, it looks really good. You know, you know what this artist who this artist would be great on Rat Queens. Oh, dude, yeah, dude. That would be dude, great. yeah, fuck, right? Huh. All right. Hey, maybe well, she'll get. Well, uh, hopefully, this serves she, as a breaking point. Yeah, I was about to say maybe she'll get some more work now. She's doing a book at Dark Horse, so definitely uh, people outside of maybe even the Dungeons and, and Dragons world uh, will kind of see her art, and maybe she'll get some more comic work as a result. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, is, apparently, she yeah. is a. Uh, Working on a thing with some guy named Corey Brotherson. Okay. Called Deadlier yeah, no. Than. It's another comic, or I think so. Okay. Yeah, that looks really good. I like the look of that. Yeah, she she posted a like an image of something on Twitter, just uh, just uh, Violet and Bose, uh, two characters from Transient Blues, a comic project she's working on with Corey Brotherson. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so definitely look out for her stuff. That look that does look really good. Um. So yeah, so there, so I posted some art for the, from this book is by Ramon Perez in the uh, chat as well. Um, so yeah, so the reason I basically I I, I forgot I even ordered this. I ordered this and uh, based off Ramon Perez's uh, name alone, and Ramon Perez because of the based off the Tale Sand book that I enjoyed so much. And this being another OGN, uh, amongst all his big two comic work, he kind of he he's found a way to. Uh, do these great uh, original graphic novels where he kind of breaks off and while doing the big two stuff also works on these books. And whenever an artist is kind of working on something else and they bring it out, that's a little bit more personal to them and kind of more of their vision. And they're not kind of doing work for hire big two work. It's usually I find the, the better uh, side of their work only because they take a lot longer doing it. They really kind of pour, pour themselves into it. It's more usually of a passion project for them when somebody goes and does like an OGN as opposed to a, a monthly issue of Spider-Man, let's say. Um, so, so I, this, the genre though is something that I'm not, I'm not interested in at all normally. And it's not something that you normally seek out. This is based, the book's called Jane. It's based off Jane Eyre, who is like a, a, a character. It was a novel that was written in like the 1800s about a woman, uh, like a female, I guess, protagonist that uh, it's basically like a romantic uh, novel of sorts, uh, I would say. Uh, but it's definitely got some like, you know, some dramatic themes in it as well. And um it's written in a first-person narrative of the this title character uh, in England, I believe. Uh, I kind of looked it up because I didn't really know too much about it, but she is a uh, uh, a character people have have read and have loved over. Like I said, she was created in eighteen hundred, so this is kind of like a, re- a reimagining of this Jane Eyre character of, um, and in today's times, and it basically details a girl. Uh, who like moves away from home and goes to the big city? Uh, and is it wants New York to- City? Yep. 
the big city and uh, I'm moving to New York City. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be on Broadway. And uh yeah, essentially she moves there, uh she works all these shitty dead end jobs just to make uh, ends meet like to see. Again, money. she's trying to be on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, it, but but that's that's like I said, this is a it's this is a story about a girl from like it was originally a, a reimagining of like it was made in like eighteen fifty. So uh, you know, like the whole like quaint beginnings of like I guess women during those times, like and like their stories, uh maybe that's where they kinda got inspired. Like, yeah, this is the girl moved to the whole the big city kind of trying to start her She's career. She's gonna follow as- her dreams and realizes that her <laughs> dreams may not come true after all. <laughs> right. And uh, she saves all this cash to move to the city to basically become an artist. And she like I'm not gonna grow up on the farm, Pa. I'm gonna leave this small (laughs) Kansas town. I'm gonna be somebody. And uh, she moves into like this, uh, basically this apartment shared with somebody else that's like the size of a shoebox. Of course, (laughs) it's New York. No matter what year you're in, you can't afford to live in New York. (laughs) Yeah, and she's got she's got a. a uh a roommate who is a uh, a gay fashion designer somebody who's trying to come up uh uh, uh i guess and make his own kind of pieces for models on the runway and and uh, and sort so they both got kind of big dreams in the in the city and she basically goes to enroll in art school because she's always had a dream of being an artist and she's a good artist in her own right and uh, but she needs a job, of course. So she yeah. she grabs the papers, just seeking out whatever she can find. Uh, ends up going to like this uh, this rich company where she doesn't really know too much about. It. And it turns out the person is hiring her as a nanny to watch the ch- the child, a uh, daughter, young daughter of uh, the main uh, the other main character in it. Uh, fuck, I forgot his name. I'm just trying to find it right now. It's basically like this rich, like fucking like billionaire type who pays no attention to his his daughter and therefore they always have to hire all these nannies mr thornfield yeah is his daughter named jane or is the main character no the main character is jane okay and uh and therefore like she she makes a connection with this girl and she she notices like she was she reminds her of herself and how uh you know lonely she was when she was a child and she she wants to basically uh, it's it's a job where many nannies have gotten came in and got fired, almost like a little orphan nanny type situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, she wants. Uh, yeah. Jane wants to take this girl from her small New York apartment to take her into the big city and show her New York City where her dreams will come true. Right. She has to and, work seventeen years at a diner. <laughs> and 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 and, and uh, as you can probably guess, uh, she does. Uh, even though she hates Mr. Thornfield, falls in love with uh, the, his daughter, wants to stick around. And then obviously, uh, like most romantic kind of comedy type tales or whatever romantic uh, movies uh, would prove, uh, Mr. Thornfield then has uh, ends up falling in love with Jane and, co- and basically courting her towards the end of the book. But there is many things, secrets that... Mr. Thornfield is, sorry not Mr. Thornfield Mr. Rochester sorry he lives in Thornfield Hall my bad <laughs> so Mr. yeah so he basically you find out that he is hiding quite a few secrets from Jane <gasps> that that uh, that uh, you learn about him as the story goes on I, I don't want to spoil it because it is I guess the big reveal and kind of 
climax of this story. Um, although, like I said, it was a story originally written in the 1800s. So if you are familiar with the Jane Eyre uh, character, you probably already do know this tale. Although I thought that as a reimagining of it, even though I don't know the original source material, and for a genre like a, a like a like a romantic type tale, um, I would not normally check out but like i said i basically just came for the art came for the ramon perez art stayed for the story it was one that i could not put down uh it is an ogn it is like a hundred and something pages probably almost 200 a little smaller in format that your normal trade paperback but it came out in like a little smaller hardcover edition uh really really great book once i started reading it yeah i ended up reading the whole thing it kind of it was a big uh, page turner for the you know some dramatic type stuff in it and uh and the art the art is again the what it, it's beautiful. Uh, great job by Mar- Ramon Perez, who's able to do these OGNs in between his uh, big two work, and uh, and yeah, just really great, really really big surprise once again for me. Something that I normally wouldn't check out have checked out if it wasn't for that creator involved, and I really ended up liking it. The writer I should also give credit to is uh, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Aline Brosh McKenna, who is basically. She wrote the screenplay for the movie The Devil Wears Prada, and I guess she also hmm. worked on the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I guess she's the writer of that show. So she works in Hollywood um, primarily, but she basically, I guess for whatever reason, had this wanted to write this book with Ramon Perez. So I think it's... Uh, she wrote also film credits include um, 27 Dresses starring Katherine Heigl, Morning Glory... Starring Harrison Ford, Ford, we we bought a zoo. Not really movies that I re- oh, and she also did the adaptation of the musical Annie, which was I guess the black uh, version of it that came out. I guess I don't know. Right? Yeah. I, again, I, I don't. I've never watched any of those movies. I'm just reading the, her credits at the back of the book here. So, um, so yeah, I did really enjoy I'm enjoying it though. Um, Jane, yeah. So definitely check it out if you're interested in Ramon Perez's art. Uh, for sure, check it out. Or if you're interested in reading something. In this genre, which I can't say that I was, but uh, I did really end up enjoying it. All right, uh, then. Going a different direction. Yeah. Wonder Woman and Conan. Yes. This looks cool. It kind (laughs) of is. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Wonder Woman. Just fucking Wonder Woman. Conan the Barbarian. Fuck. Uh, And this book is a crossover between the two of them. uh, Written by Gail Simone. That's really cool, too. Yep. Uh, Art Inside by Aaron Lepresti. Yeah. And this starts out as a... This is a this is very much a Conan story with Wonder Woman in it. That's great. I, I'm so happy to hear that. Because I would rather actually read that with these two characters. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> the, so the story itself kind of begins with Conan doing how Conan do. Rolling around, getting in murder. Uh yeah, it starts out uh, he accident he ends up rescuing a dude for money. Uh who is about to get his fucking like I think his tongue burned off by molten pincers or something. I don't know. Some kind of horrible torture. Conan like beheads them. Again, how Conan do. Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, and so the guy he he saved, uh, he brings Conan into a city where he where he hears the story, where he where he tells the story of like, hey, yeah, in this fucking fighting pit, there's a lady in there, and she's doing fucking bangers. 
<laughs> Turns out the lady is Wonder Woman. Right. But she got the amnesia. Okay. So she doesn't know she's Wonder Woman. She's just in this arena. Oh, okay. Somehow the mud splattered on her in a way that made her rags the Wonder Woman costume. <laughs> right. Just like a yeah, mud like, W on her. Yeah, like, <laughs> like she's wearing a like, – like her outfit basically is just a torn fabric that hangs in front of her genitals. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I would call it a skirt, but this is not a skirt. <laughs> uh, a very tight-fitting top thing that has a shoulder missing because why not? And on the fabric out front, there are there are mud stains in the shape of stars because you know the star-spangled fucking panties. Right. <laughs> uh, on the on the top thing, there is a mud stain in the shape of a W. And then, our, mm-hmm. and then on her forehead is a mud stain in the shape of her tiara. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, so she has no idea who she is, really. Not any real idea about any of that, and she is in a fighting pit. She is a slave out there to you know fight and do whatever. And she does bangers. She is fucking great at it. She fucking takes out like thirty dudes, and then eventually passes out right. because she's been fighting with basically no food. Right. So Conan, he sees this and he believes that she is a friend of his from his from his youth. Uh, back when he was a kid, his dad was like going to other tribes, and he met this girl called met this girl named Yana and fell in love with her immediately. And then sees Diana, who looks like her, and is like, "Oh, that must be my childhood friend." Thank God she has amnesia. And thank God her real name is very close to this other name from a person I used to know as a kid. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> yeah. And so Conan gets fucking knocked the fuck out. As as Conan is wanted to do, I guess. Mm. And the two of them are going to be thrown into the arena to fight each other. Also, oh, so that well, was the like the cliffhanger of this issue. Really? Yes, that yeah. that was the, cl- the cliffhanger of issue one. Okay. And immediately after that is a fucking bunch of Harley Quinn bullshit. What? Yeah, in oh, the, because, yeah, in the book, the in, the, in like in like the thing. Day. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is like, hey, celebrating twenty five years of Harley Quinn, and we got various covers for Batman number one, some Detective Comics thing, The Killing Joke, The Dark Knight Returns. A new bat, a different Batman book, and the, it, it, the fucking Detective Comics issue that introduced Robin, and all of them have Harley Quinn on them. Because you know, everybody loves Harley. Yeah, she is that, amazing. I think it's they've been doing a big push because it's their twenty fifth anniversary, I guess, since being created this year. And yeah, but like, I know the year of Luigi. Man, like that was a thing. It wasn't this. <laughs> and Luigi's great. Right. Anywho. Yeah, the issue itself is... I don't read a lot of Conan books. Mainly because I feel like they're a little, a little too overwritten. Uh, yeah, I do time to time. I, I definitely don't think I can read it on a monthly basis. But I, get, I like to get a little bit, uh, a little bit of uh, my fellow of Conan here and there. Yeah, and this That's one, uh, th- this one is also a bit. O- this one's also a bit o- a bit overwritten, like the the like mm. omniscient narration, and then the internal monologue from Conan. Yeah, they are written 
as one would expect them to be written, which is a lot of O's and thou's and a lot of dialogue like that. And dialogue like that, not exactly direct to the point. It is very... They go around a bit before they get to the point. Yeah, I think that's a result of them trying to probably emulate the, uh, what we call the Robert E. Howard uh, Conan stuff, right? But yeah, like as a movie. Right. right. As a movie, stuff like that works because you can show a bit more and like have things move. Mm-hmm. And like somebody reading that dialogue is different than reading. Like having somebody talk and speak that dialogue is different than reading that dialogue flatly as words. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't always make it for an enjoyable experience, for sure. And yeah, the first issue, there's not a whole lot of crossover between Conan and Wonder Woman. Like, they just kind of meet at the very end. And you don't get to see what you want, which is you want to see them murder with each other. (laughs) I I do enjoy a fun little crossover, though, between characters. (laughs) Yeah, and this seems to be one of the... This seems to be one of the better thought-out ones of, like, crossover between different, different companies' characters. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the one that makes the most sense and is kind of shocking that they haven't really done it before. Right. Yeah, that's... Yeah, like, I mean, this is almost as, uh, like, a Red Sonja. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, because... Con- Conan. Yeah, like, Wonder Red Woman... Sonya. Like, Wonder Woman is essentially Red Sonja, but more compassionate. Right. Yeah. I can see that. And so, I'm interested to see where this goes. I am definitely going to keep reading this. Uh, I like Gail Simone. She still writes well. Even if it like this, yeah, this is a bit overwritten, but it's still like Gil Simone writing it. Yeah, I guess, and a return to Wonder Woman for her writing it as well. Yeah, I guess actually, in a sense, yeah, yeah, that's true. Huh. Yeah, uh, the artist uh, Aaron can't even remember what his fucking name was now. And I just said it. Lapresti. Yeah, Lapresti. He does he does a good job with this. Like, there's the occasional awkward shot in this, and also the occasional non-existent background. But I think he does. A, I think he does a decent job, like drawing Conan in such a way, drawing Wonder Woman in such a way that both of them feel appropriate. Mm-hmm. The Wonder Woman clothing thing is a bit much. Like the mud stain specifically, that's a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see where this goes. I want to watch them fight. Nice. Either yeah, I'm, either fight yeah. each other or fight with each other. Mm-hmm. Either one is fine. I want to see that. That that's what I that 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 is what I came for. I didn't come right. to Conan to see him to see him fucking long after a childhood friend of his that he met once. Right. <laughs> I came to watch him murder in the name of Crom. Yes. <laughs> By Crom. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, and if he doesn't, uh, then to hell with him. Did he say that in this issue? Yes, he did. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. After <laughs> she's got yeah, the voice. A, <laughs> yeah. After he. Uh, yeah. After he. After he saved the guy. Uh, one of the one of the last people that he killed was dying. He's like, "Hey, what was the guy's crime?" He's like, oh, "Welching on a debt." He's like, "Ah, oh, crom." Because <laughs> he just saved him with the promise of being paid. Right. <laughs> He's like, hey, you owe me money, person who was being murdered for welching on a debt. Uh, Conan, not exactly the smartest of individuals. <laughs> No. <laughs> really? No. Uh, but yeah, no, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to, I'll have to check back with you when it's more towards the end of the mini because I'm thinking of picking up the trade. This yeah, yeah, to- yeah, totally should. This is, yeah. at least at least based on the first issue, this seems like it'd be worth it in trade. Okay, cool. Yeah, moving on. 
Uh, yeah, very quickly too. Uh, speaking of that, though, with these crossovers, they recently announced in December they're coming out with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Batman number two oh, by James Tindy yeah. and the same team that did the first one. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's going to be if- it's going to be the Turtles versus Bane. Oh, I didn't hear that. Okay, I heard that they're yeah, doing yeah, the yeah, second the story, one. But yeah, the story, oh, okay. the story cool. is that uh, Bane and Donatello switch dimensions. Okay, I enjoyed the first one a lot, actually. So I'm yeah, looking forward to this fun. one. Yeah, uh, um, except for that fucking god ugly car. If that fucking thing shows up again, this that Catmobile thing. <laughs> I swear to God, I would freak out. But yeah, so who's ready to watch a bunch of ninjas fight a roided up luchador that everybody loves for some reason? <laughs> Yeah, I never got I the fucking love for Bane. Like he Same. had, he had yeah. Nightfall, and that was it. Yeah, no, it's true. I agree. I, uh, I don't know why he's such a to, to be in two films, no less. He's the Doomsday seems... of Luchadors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The whole there was a Venom storyline too with um, about how he got the Venom. All that was pretty good back in the day. But um, yeah, but like you said, he's not like a character that should be held in the same regards as some of his other great rogues so yeah again yeah. he did one thing really well to batman and then fucked off yeah that's yeah, anyways yeah no i know I, I get where you come from though anyway uh, all right so uh so black hammer number 13 are you up to date yeah. on this Dead yes man? i am all right of course uh, i fucking am yeah I mean, I know we've talked about it on this show before, but once again, I just wanted to check in, and for an important reason as well. What a great fucking series this Black Hammer it's is, so right? Good. It's oh, so good. So good. Definitely, not only Jeff Lemire's best thing I think he's done in a while, uh, it's just a great, great series. Every, anybody who loves superhero comics should be reading this. Like, it's... It's, it's just such a great love letter, like, homage to uh, all kinds of different superhero comics like marvel and dc and, a, and an interesting mashup and story all on its own like yeah, it's I, all I, of I, those things and i think i'm pretty sure we're getting like a spin-off or something of frankenstein that frankenstein right. guy sherlock frankenstein or whatever the fuck his name is right so he shows up in this issue and and that's why i kind of wanted to mention that uh this, oh, yeah, like uh, the last few issues have been have been kind of like the last couple issues uh they've been they've been having a focus on golden gale and her relationship with sherlock frankenstein mm-hmm and that is really interesting. I fucking love that. Mm-hmm. And now, with this issue number 13, they had announced recently that Black Hammer is going to be almost basically doing the Hellboy model, where the next series that comes out of Black Hammer, they're going to take a hiatus now, Black Hammer. But in the meantime, you're going to get a mini series written by Jeff Lemire focusing on Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil. That's called. coming out May next year. Uh, no, well, Sher- Sherlock, I think, is coming out next month, October, but the new Black Hammer, yeah, is coming out, I think, in April. Oh, no, yeah, it May. is. Sorry, I, sorry, I yeah. fucked that up. My bad. No, it's all right. Yeah, but, but Sherlock yeah. Sherlock Frankenstein, so the Legion of Doom from the world of Black Hammer, number one, coming out October 18th. Yeah. And, uh, it's drawn by David Rubin, who I've talked about on the show before. I did that Ether book with, uh, Matt Kent and that, and the, uh, I talked about his other book, Hero, The Hero, which I fucking love. Um, so I'm really excited to see him. Uh, he actually did a fill-in issue with Jeff as well, I think, at, uh, of uh, Black Hammer at some point. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so yeah, so basically you're gonna do, it looks like they're doing like the Hellboy model, where they're gonna have a different, a Black Hammer, 
and then titled something else. Black Hammer this, Black Hammer that, and in the meantime, they're going to do a little miniseries of a side character. I'm sure that will make an appearance again. Um, but yeah, with this issue number 13, this ends this chapter of Black Hammer with a hiatus, and it was another excellent issue. Uh, Abraham Slam basically got accused of murdering his uh, girlfriend's uh, ex, I guess. Uh, they suspected that he had something to do with it. Uh, and then uh, basically he got off, let off the hook because uh, what's that character going? The Green Ghost one? What's uh, The Ghost? Uh, Madam Butterfly. Right. She shows up and basically kind of Jedi mind tricks like the, 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 the cops and saying like, oh yeah, you, uh, you have the wrong guy. I apologize, you know, for wasting his time. And they're like, oh, I apologize, sir, for wasting your time. <laughs> they're like, and they basically, they let him go. And, uh, meanwhile, the Black Hammer's daughter, who has been kind of investigating things as she showed up in the town a couple of issues ago, uh, finds the Black Hammer and that well, no, her she, father, she, she, no, she was shown the Black Hammer. She knew right, what it was, right, but she was right. called to it this time. Yeah, her father, I guess, was speaking to her from there, from and she picks it up and becomes the Black Hammer, uh, which basically ends this issue. Yeah, and uh, Colonel Weird, the Ghost Man. Yes, uh, he's like he, fucks he off. says he says, "Hey, something's happening. It's about to begin." Yes, right, and uh, and and. It, was that a flashback that they showed them all coming together, or was that in real time when they basically, when they show like the new gods, like the, the whatever the new, it's not the new gods, but whatever the new gods are in this world, yeah, the new like, gods equivalent. Uh, that is, yeah, that was in the was past. Like the, uh, that was what led to these guys becoming to this world. Right, right, right. With Barbaley, and you know Barbaley, and then also they show him kind of trying to leave the their town he he's kind of fed up because it it turned out like he was uh gay and he kind of came forward to the priest in the last issue uh for the second time he tried to there was a priest that he kind of uh loves that he basically tried to come out to and he knew or he thought that he was afraid to come out to him so he tried to kind of come and uh you know console like with him and uh and he he um he didn't kind of yeah, he's like, he's like, dude, I'm not gay. Like, please leave. Yeah, like, yeah, he just kind of shut uh, shot down his advances towards him and uh, and him trying to help him. So I guess he's been all kind of depressed since that happened. So Barbalian, he kind of, you see him kind of shooting off into space, like trying to leave that the was town. In the past. Although, oh, that was also in the past. Yeah, oh, remember, okay. anybody who tries to leave this, any, any superhero who tries they to leave can't. this town gets, they can't. Gets, gets fucking separated like Dr. Manhattan. Right, right. That's right. They can't leave, right? Yeah, this, right. Was, yeah this was he was on Earth doing whatever, tries to leave, goes to leave, and then gets summoned by Starlock. See, that's that's what I was going to ask you if that was also in the past because they did definitely bounce around in this issue, and it's dependent on you kind of figuring it out, and 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 that's why I wanted to clarify this issue also with you because I know that I know that that so did that also happen in the past with the priest or it had nothing no, to do no, with no, the, him pri- the priest happened in the present. The priest happened in the town. Right. So why was he leaving in that in that scene then? Like, why was uh, we was that... don't know? Interesting. Yeah, okay. j- j- just just uh, just something in just just because of his history in the world, being a superhero, being fucking barbarian. For whatever reason, he decided to leave. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that it had to do with like a bunch of his fucking buddies retiring. Right. And so yeah, he's like, "Hey, he... there's nothing here for me anymore. I'm a leave." And then pff, he ends up fucking with with Starlock and the rest of the buddies. 
I mean, I mean, essentially, Barbalian is his Martian Manhunter in this series yep. because he kind of poses as a cop, and Martian Manhunter poses as the detective, like when he was uh, uh, on Earth. Yeah. Um, although th- in this, he chose to make him gay. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Martian Manhunter is asexual in DC comics. I don't really know if he has. Uh, had- Martian Manhunter, he has a wife. Does he? I, a wife. I, I interesting. I never knew that. Okay. Yeah, that was that was his whole <laughs> fucking thing. Like he had a wife and daughters. On Earth? Uh, no, no, in, no, on Mars. Oh, okay. See, I, I didn't yeah, know yeah, that. He, yeah, he had a wife, yeah, he had a wife and family on Mars. They got dead. Okay. And then came to Earth and is like, hey, I'm going to fucking hang out, whatever. Nice. Learn all kinds of things. Yeah, and in, all, and, in, um, <laughs> and in most other iterations of the character that we've seen, like, outside of comics and stuff, in terms of relationship stuff, he seems to be straight. Okay. I, I just, I guess I just never read anything with him where I kind of, that's why I called him asexual because I'm like, I don't really know if he's uh-huh. one way or the other, right? But, yeah. But whatever. It doesn't matter really at all. I just, uh, I really fucking love this book. This is a great book. And did, did you catch in the last issue, it may have been the one before this, that fucking James Robinson showed up in the issue? Did you catch that? <laughs> I, there I, is did, a, I did not. There is a character, if you were to look back, it may have been issue 12, either 11 or 12, um, where they called him Dr. Star, and James Robinson is creation Starman, <laughs> and if you look at the picture, it looks almost like the caricature of him as Airboy, an Airboy of James <laughs> Robinson, right in the fucking comic, Black Hammer. That's what I mean, he's dropping all these seeds for, like, and his interpretations of almost, of, of like... Like uh, different things in comics, like in uh, all, uh, that in this Black Hammer series, even so many that some of them I'm not even catching. Like the whole thing, like like these new gods interpretation that he has in this are basically like it's uh, almost like the Odin is like the leader of this new god, yeah, Starlock, and then the fucking anti god yeah. is the Anti Monitor and Galactus. Right. It's and then you had um, the Inhumans dog. Um, what's his name? Uh, 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 Lockjaw. Lockjaw. You have a Lockjaw on the team that showed up in the last issue. Just <laughs> all these interesting fucking oh. little little uh, Easter eggs of things. Like the if more you and more know, we talk about this, the more and more this feels like Jeff Lemire's Watchmen. <laughs> it very much could be. I love this book, man. I love this book, and 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 like it's. And, it, and you don't need to know all that, by the way. Like, like you, like you didn't know. Like I said, like if you caught the James Robinson thing, if you understood it, you understood it. But it, it, it's it didn't take away from the story at all. Like he didn't. Oh no, he that's does the thing. It, this, yeah, J- it's Jeff Lemire. Jeff thing. Lemire is a fantastic writer in that he is able to write things on levels. Yeah. Like if you if you read this book without if this is a, if this is your first comic, this is a really good this is really good just story. It has good characters, good writing, good that. Good storytelling, all that shit. It works. This works fine as a standalone thing. But if you know comics, you can read way more into it. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, so I mean, being that I I do read a lot of comics and we know a lot of these kind of nods of the, like towards the Easter eggs of things that he's been putting in, or just kind of like his homaging like of certain things. I I've been loving it. I've I it's been great. And uh, yeah, so definitely check out Black Hammer if you haven't. I know we've talked. It won't be the last time we'll talk about it. I'm sure. Uh, no, close, yeah, dude. exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to check in because uh, the fact like it is taking a hiatus. 
the Sherlock Frankenstein stuff is going to be coming out with a new artist, and uh, and yeah, they're they're going to be launching again in or May. You said with uh, with a new Black Hammer title. So yeah. uh, if you haven't been reading this, catch up now because now's the time to kind of to jump in. I, I mean, I'm sure again, you're probably not even going to have to read that Sherlock Frankenstein miniseries, but it's going to probably add a lot of context to a character that they've showed a little bit of so far that who's probably going to show up i'm guessing in the next series that they launch so if you do want to learn about that character uh i would definitely check that out and And also learn a bit more about like his relationship and history with golden gale right because that's kind of what like that is the most interesting of all of this like the fact that fucking sherlock frankenstein and his fucking child super his child arch nemesis end up getting together because she's not actually a child she's actually 57 right yeah because they had a little scene together on the boat here in this uh in this issue like oh yeah because flashback. like that's the thing she reti- like golden gale retired from the superhero life specifically to be with him mm-hmm. i mean and jeff lemire is finally making his return to a fucking uh frankenstein character yeah <laughs> which <laughs> do you remember him in his short-lived run on frankenstein agent of shade at the launch of the new 52 which i love by the way the fact that he's bringing a frankenstein character to this i'm sure there's a reason for it <laughs> oh, totally. i mean like i'm sure that's why what no um, come on don't be crazy <laughs> you think i'm ready to get into it a little bit too much yeah i guess maybe you're right <laughs> but anyways uh yeah uh black hammer love it great stuff all right then yeah moving on uh wolverine and the x-men uh, the Jason Aaron series. Yes. You, have you never read this? When I seen this on your list, no, I was no, surprised. No, I read it. I just wanted to reread it. Yes. Yeah, I, started I love back, this series. I started going back love and rereading it. it. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Still holds up? Great. I'm glad to yeah, hear it that. Is, it yeah. still holds up really well. Uh, it's actually kind of weird. Like, uh, going back, I forgot that Chris Bacalo was, was the artist on this for a while. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And his art is... Before Nick Bradshaw. He was yeah, the before, first yeah, before Bradshaw. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, Bacalo. Yeah. And... He is – he his art – I'm never really sure what to feel about his art because, like, on the one hand, he does monsters and environment stuff really well. Like, in like in this first few issues where he was the artist, he did a fucking thing of showing, like, two people transforming into fucking uh, – a fucking Wendigo and a Sauron. He fucking did – he did fucking Krakoa. He did uh, Iceman yeah, going Krakoa. full fucking, <laughs> like, ice god. Right. He did Beast – he did Glob Herman, who looked fucking fantastic. Fucking Brew. Introduction to Brew. Like, he did a lot of really good stuff in this. But then you look at people and just look really awkward. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally. Uh, what I was going to say is I find with his art, uh, every once in a while, he'll do a panel where you can't tell what the fuck is going on in that panel at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> like, Bradshaw and all that shit is just so goddamn clean. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, super amount of lines, like, uh, you know, very detailed. But then you look at him and it's very abstract and it's great a lot of the time. But then because it's like that, you look at a panel every once in a while in an issue, any particular issue, and you're like, what the fuck is going on in this? <laughs> like, yeah. You can't tell some. That's my issue with Bachelot. Bach- uh, I, I really like him. Yeah, uh, also, also, yeah, the fact that, also the fact that he like just doesn't do backgrounds half the time. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this book is still fucking great. Like, Jason Aaron writing this fucking huge class is really cool. Brew is great. I fucking love Brew. Love Brew. Yeah. Having Evan, Genesis, be here before everything got so fucked. Yes. Yeah. Just, oh, man. 
and Warren, the, the start, starting a shit with Angel is one. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, at, like this is a this is Warren Worthington Angel after uh, his after the shit that happened with uh, X Force and him becoming Apocalypse. Yep. Yeah, he basically picked he picked up on a lot of the strings from Remender's Uncanny X Force that happened uh, along with the whole Genesis thing because that uh, that also happened uh, in Uncanny X Force with Arch- Archangel and Wolverine. So yeah, um, this this for me, X Men has not been any of the books have not been as good as they were at this time. Absolutely, like between between Uncanny X Force, Jason Aaron's run on Wolverine, and this, I mean, I was in heaven at that time for X Men books. Yeah, it was it. one of the it was one of the few moments in history where there was yeah. like multiple X Men books, and you were like, "Yes, these are good. We need more of these." Yeah, absolutely. One of the very I'm few glad. moments where you wanted more X Men books. I'm glad to hear that you reread it. And it holds up. I'm yeah, that's great. Yeah, but one thing that this book does a I have a problem with psychics. <laughs> right. So this is going to get weird because I'm going to get into my political feelings about a non-existent issue. Okay. But so the so mutants are dangerous. Mm-hmm. They are they are still people. I'm not going to go out there like, oh, you genetic monsters down here sent from Satan. <laughs> I'm not going to say that, but I'm going to say you are a bunch of teenagers with the power to nuke the planet. We need to regulate this shit. Mm-hmm. But and I do not believe that there are any inherently evil things about being a mutant, unless you are a telepath. Because no matter what, if you have telepathic powers, you have no morals. That is the lesson yeah. I've been taught by X-Men comics. If you have telepathic abilities, specifically telepathic abilities to manipulate somebody's mind, you are almost as bad as Hitler. To me, at least. Right. And so having Rachel Gray, somebody who regularly destroys people's minds, being a main character in this, I'm like, mm, I, I don't know how to feel about you, because on the one hand, you're fine, but on the other hand, you're an actual literal demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's mind raping, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> that is, yeah. yeah. At one point, she threatens to she threatens to like psychically lobotomize Spider Man. Yeah, because I mean, she doesn't up. like him. Yeah, no, I know that that's... is that is super villain talk. That is, oh god, like she is on the same level of like sh- like she and other people like other psychics like her are on the same level of Purple Man to me. Wow. Yeah. Of just I, of just you fuck people's free will. You destroy their minds in such a way that will never be able to be fixed. And the worst part of it is you think you're not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. That being said, what do you think of Quentin Quire in this series? Quentin Quire, he's he's written as a shitbag. Yeah. So that does so like my problems with uh, other kinds of people like that my other kinds of psychics. I don't, have a, I don't have that problem with him. How good they are, right? right, right. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him because Quentin Quire, he knows what he's doing. Right. And in this book specifically, I don't remember any real instance of him like actively doing what Rachel does. Mm-hmm. Like a lot he of always his, threatens. He threatens yeah, that he threatens, he's gonna, he threatens yeah, to do it, but right. he never actually that's goes right. through with it. He's more like in the right. Psylocke range of psychics than the than the Gray era of psychics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like his thing is he makes psychic weapons that do like mind damage. 
but he doesn't like go in there and alter your percept and alter the way you think, alter your choices, alter your free will. Like that, no. that, that is, that is what like brought him to the school in the first place, him doing that at the UN. Right. But since coming to the school, the school has actually been a good influence on him. Yeah, I, I love Quentin Quire. That's why I was asking. <laughs> I, I love yeah, that. Qu- Quentin Quire is so, a good. Yeah, yeah like I, I fucking love the lines. Like Quentin Quire has tried to incite fourteen riots to overthrow the uh, to overthrow the fucking school. And that's just in the first week. <laughs> just this fucking shitbag teenager with the power of a god trying to be Che Guevara and nobody taking him seriously is kind of great. <laughs> I, I just I also love how the the. Um... They brought in the whole uh, Cyclops was right T-shirts with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that is one of the, the few Cyclops the merchandise things. That the, is one yeah. of the few Cyclops merchandise things. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll wear that. Because that was a Quentin Quire thing, not a fucking Cyclops thing. Right. I just, yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I love the whole yeah. anarchist type wearing, wearing that specifically to right. wearing that specifically to flip a finger to Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on the whole, the whole, uh, the mind raping thing. And it was, it, it was an ongoing theme when Bendis took over with the Jean Grey from the past coming back and fucking with everybody's heads. And everybody oh, oh and, God. Yeah. Fuck her. Fuck her. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. But it, it was something that even now, like I, I, if you recall a couple episodes ago when I was on last, I, I talked about Colin Bunn's new book and how he, that is still, something that they that he he's brought up with that character how now she's trying not to do that because it's wrong so it is something they've addressed like it is fucking wrong but i i don't think until recently that has been a thing right like yeah at this at this point in the wolverine and the x-men i don't know if that was a theme at it was time. not this this was just right. the status quo if you had mind yeah. powers you did this no matter what right. side you were on right and nobody saw anything wrong with that yeah, no, Despite I agree with you. how many it's goddamn wrong. times every single person on this goddamn team has been mind-controlled. I mean, not to mention you got the fucking cuckoos as well. Yeah, the fucking the, cuckoos. Uh, yeah, I mean, which, you know, her and Emma, they're, they're huge ones uh, uh, for doing that too. Her and Emma, those the cuckoos and Emma, like, I mean. Oh, yeah, like Emma, like, yeah. one, of the, one of the big reveals in this fucking book is that Emma has been specifically mind-controlling Toad to spy on the school. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> that, that leads to yeah. Toad losing his job, which is fucking bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Toad in this yeah. book's a decent guy. <laughs> Who was he in love with Husk. again? He was in love with... Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know if you've actually reached it yet within the first three issues, but did you uh, three come across... Volumes. The, sorry, three volumes. Oh, three volumes. Did you read the Mike Allred dupe issue again? Not yet. I'm getting there. Ah, I'm getting there. I can't ah, wait. Dupe is the best. I love that. Is honestly for me like one of the single best issues ever. Yeah. The, Dupe the funny, issue. the funniest thing about that that I remember is just like Dupe effortlessly fucking Warbird. <laughs> just she walks up, is like, "How's it going?" Dupe says something. It's like, "Hey, you want fuck?" <laughs> and it's it's that is that is such a weird aspect of the character that makes him. So much better to me of just him solving all of the school's problems by fucking people. Right. And yeah, him being apparently the, amazing at it. Meanwhile, everyone's just like, what does he even do? <laughs> yeah. He's like the one that's keeping the glue together. Yeah, it's like, like, yeah, it's, like, it's, like it's like, hey, well, you motherfuckers are here like being shitty to brew because like, go fuck yourself, Hellion. 
You know, I'm out there fighting Nazi bowlers and fucking my way to freedom. You can't step to this. You can't get on my level. Oh, dude was the best. Yeah. And, and, I, and th- that's kind of yeah. what that's kind of one of the reasons that that one of this one of the main reasons the book has stuck with me so long is that it introduced me to Dupe. Yeah, who is one, who is one of Mike, my favorite Marvel characters. And Mike Allred also illustrated that one issue. Yeah. Oh man. And and also the fact that this was an actual fun book with this whole school theme that we also hate so many times on this show. We've talked about books we don't like when they try to do this, where it worked. Yeah, totally. Like this 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 whole students going to a fucking school and all this kind of thing that they are doing. Yeah, and like it had this too huge much ens- of now. And it had this huge ensemble cast that felt like a real cast. Yeah. Like like when like when uh, when you get into comic books and you have like a team this big, you always have the issue of trying to give all of the all of your characters enough time that they all feel like real people. Cuz cuz like a certain cuz like with some books, you'll get like, "All right, so we focus on these two people and they are really well established or whatever but then you have those other people who are just cardboard cutouts who stand in the background or you try to spread it out so thin that nothing ever really feels right Mm -hmm. or you just go or you just go the avengers academy route and say hey we have this entire school for seven people right you know this school is a school there are hundreds of students there are flamethrowers in the bathroom Mm -hmm. no and yeah you're right in this book you followed the whole cast of characters that was it was in this. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Everybody gets like everybody gets their moment. Fucking Glob Herman, yeah. Hellion, Brew, <laughs> Idy, that I guy. Yeah, I uh, guy, I guy, Kid Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Nature Girl, whatever her name is, Armor. Yeah. Yeah, such a fun series. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never I, get back to this yeah. level. No, I don't think so. Yeah, definitely a highlight. That's why when I see it on your list, I was like, oh, like I, I was wondering. I'm like, is this his first time? Because I, I kind of sworn we had talked about it before. That's we so have. great that you that you went back and, and reread it, though. I, I, I really should do the same as well. Cause, oh, yeah. Because you're right. This just, is a highlight. For, yeah, for just me, uh, for sure. just get it digitally. I, yeah. I, I specifically went out. Like The thing that kind of led me led to me reading this again was I specifically went out looking to try to buy the trades. I own all the issues of these. And so, it's either yeah. they don't exist or they are $300. Yeah, they're all out of print right now, yeah. For some fucking weird reason. I yeah, so I either got to wait for them to go into reprint or just stick with digital. Right. Which does kind of suck for me because I like having a stack of shit on my shelf. Like, I actually, I actually have a shelf now. I actually have a shelf outside of my room with all my books on it. Oh, really? Of, like, yeah. well, stuff that you actually really enjoy? That's awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. I got I got a bunch of fucking, like, manga shit. I got a bunch of comics. I got a bunch of books that were way too big to put in a, fing- put in a single shelf. No. Nice. Got a little collection going. Good. That's good. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Ah. All right. Uh, also, one, one more quick thing about that. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, Jason actually, Jason Aaron, like you were saying, trying to make these people seem like real people, uh, real people, even when it's so far as to, uh, I believe he did the letter column written in certain people's voices, and <laughs> he, he, he also did a Twitter account. That was the the uh, Jean Grey School uh, Twitter account. Who was Jason Aaron? Actually, I've heard him mention this on Twitter before. Actually, t- doing tweets in the voices of certain characters from this fucking school when this. Oh, that's was dope! Out. Oh, that's so yes. cool. Jason Aaron is so fucking cool. Yeah, he actually did that at this time. He, he, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's not like he did like thousands of tweets. Like he probably maybe did a couple of hundred. Yeah, that's but fine. He actually, but he actually took the time. To do that, and that was done yeah. by him. The, the, fact, the yeah. fact that it happened at all, yes, it's marketing. Yeah. So cool. Yes, oh. it is marketing, <laughs> but it's good marketing, I think. 
yeah, really cool idea that he did. So yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so last off, I'm going to talk about uh, Invincible again, another book that we've talk about uh often uh but as it's coming to a close and i read it in trade and there's only one more trade left after this volume 24 which i'm again very sad but happy about at the same time um that it is gonna has a definitive ending um yeah i uh i enjoyed this volume and it definitely had to come to this point basically with this war with the vultramites and uh and uh and mark basically uh, he lost his brother at the end of the last issue uh, sorry at the end of the last volume and by the way you know big spoilers for this guys if you have not read this yet uh and at the end of this volume he basically his father looks like he got killed in the fight with against um thrag his name? Uh, thrag and the empire uh, so it opens up with him basically fighting Alan, the alien, with, uh, over the fact that his, his brother, he basically convinced him to get into this, like, he basically set it up so his brother would be forced to fight him and actually convince other people to go move along in this fight against Thrag and his people. Like, he wanted Mark, and, and, uh, with Mark, his dad, to follow along. So basically, Alan, because he's been at war with them and all these other people are kind of over at this point, they just want to kind of focus on their families and not be involved in this shit, you know, live their lives. Uh, he has been trying to, uh, like, trick these people into basically coming aboard in his war against the Veltramite Empire. And again, it, it revisited the fact that invi- a theme that has always happened with Invincible and the choices that people make, whether they're raw, right or wrong, and why they make those choices, and one choice that leads to another, and the understanding of people coming to terms with that. Listen, like there's a point like where it flipped back and forth. Mark tried to knock him out, but then was just sad about the whole thing. Then his wife got involved with Alan and was really pissed off at him, and they were kind of at odds throughout this. But then he tried to make them see it from his side that he had no other fucking choice in this matter but to basically uh, put his brother at the forefront in order for him to get him on his side, which eventually he does. And therefore, while he does that, he gets his dad involved, which eventually ends up with him getting killed, it looks like, at the end of this volume. Yeah. Yeah, and... And that's what I mean. And that's, that's, that has always been the theme of Invincible. And for me, and, and I'm sure, I'm pretty sure, and for you as well. You've, oh, no, yeah. Uh, again, Invinci- we've, we've, Invincible yeah, we've is, talked about this. Yeah, yeah. Invincible is a morally gray book, like masked in the colors of a morally black and white one. Right. Like with superheroes, it's a lot of the time it is just like, I'm going to go nuke, I'm going to nuke this fucking orphanage because eat, eat a dick, children. And, or shit like that, where it is like very obviously this guy is evil and this guy is good. Meanwhile, in Invincible, it's like, hey, I'm I'm gonna flood all these cities in order to stop global warming. Or like, or like, hey, I've or hey, I've become a horrible supervillain in order to, in order to avenge my family that you superheroes killed in your fucking giant fight. Mm-hmm. Or I built a ro- or I built a robe an army of robot zombie yous in order to keep you from going rogue. Right. Fucking Cecil, man. Yeah. Cecil is kind of the embodiment of this series. Right. And then when Cecil died, ever since, uh, Robot has been taken over, and he kind of parted ways with Robot because he didn't like the way he was running Oh, yeah. Things. Robot literally took over the world. <laughs> right. And then they actually re... It's been a while since we've actually checked in with Robot, and he actually made an appearance again in this volume, which collects issues 133 to 138. 
uh, of the, this is the first half of the end of all things with part one. And the other half is going to be the next volume, which is concluding the 12 issue arc with Ryan Otley and Robert Kirkman. But, um, that was another interesting thing, him showing back up and basically taking all the families of the Viltramites that basically have found peace on earth that went to fight. He kind of abducted the families and tried to put them and imprison them, um, to kind of keep them safe. If there is retaliation from the Viltramites. Exactly. Um, and then there's, so there's that aspect. And then there's also the other interesting thing. I think I, 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 that was worth noting in this volume is that, uh, Mark's dad, Mentioned the fact that he finally found out that he was raped, essentially, by the other chick, the Vultramite yeah, one. Yeah, uh, uh, fuck, what's her name? Um, something, right Anna, now. something? Uh, I'm trying to look, hold on. Uh, I'm just going to keep looking. But yeah, so basically, but then he explains that she he knew that because that's the Vultramite... Yes, that's the Viltramite way, like, apparently. Like, they force themselves on, like, like because they kill people and basically conquer them. Like, apparently, like, the stronger person, like, in the re- relationships, like, on their planet are used to doing that, which I don't believe they ever kind of explained. So, like, it was kind of interesting that he added that and that the fact that he he kind of tried to console him finally, like, he was able to tell somebody else about it because, like, he was kind of, like, talking about how how they've changed for the good, and he's like, yeah, like, Anissa, right? And he's like, what is it with you two? And he's like, she forced herself on you, didn't she? And he kind of just, like, looked ashamed and, like, away, and, and that yeah. was interesting. I've always, I know we've talked about that, how we thought that was an interesting choice that he made with that whole storyline, but, uh, so, yeah, um, Again, but other than that, uh, this was all, again, just a lot of big bombastic fighting because this war has to happen. It has all been coming to this. And while I, I can't say that I did not enjoy it, I did definitely enjoy it, but I, I do love this book for the other reasons, which I just mentioned. The conversations that come out of the choices that these characters make and the, and everything else that we've come to learn about these people, um, in the series. Th- those are the moments. I enjoyed the quiet moments or the moments where they, talk and hash things out way more invincible than I did for the action. But there's some pretty fucking cool looking action and crazy things that always happen with the fighting. Cause Ryan Otley is the one drawing them. Yeah. Right? So, um, so yeah, it, it was a good volume and I'm definitely looking toward, uh, uh, forward to the conclusion. Although I definitely want some closure for these characters. I really just <sighs> hope they don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah, I, they... I but but with six issues left and you've brought, you've already read a couple of those. Issues. Yeah. I, I don't I, see I've, I've read part eight. And I, with part, I don't see how they're going to do it. Like, part eight, they ended the fighting. Okay. Okay. So it seems like we're gonna, so it seems like we may have like four issues of some kind of wrap up. I would like that because like I don't see how they're going to fucking do it, and that's what's making me nervous. Like, oh no! I'm like, is it? Yeah, there's just <laughs> like, so much. <laughs> there's so much shit they need to fucking resolve. Right. And the big one, the monumental one. The literal, actual rape baby. That needs to be resolved. Did he also catch the fact that she called him Marky in yeah. this? Yeah. 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 Fuck. Yeah. And this is fucked, dude. <laughs> this whole situation is fucked. You're right. They did. They definitely did not bring it up one more time for them not to actually resolve that whole situation. That he, needs to happen. I'm, it needs, yeah, to be, needs to be like a thing where like a fucking, it needs, needs to be like yeah. Anissa dies or something. Yeah, like, like she like she was one of the fucking casualties or whatever. And then Mark goes home. The fucking 
the, vil- the Vilter. Yeah, the Viltrumite family is there, like, doing stuff, and then fucking Mark sees the baby. Yeah. And then the next issue is about him dealing with the fact that there's a kid out there who's a his. From- <laughs> God. Yeah, oh. it's, fu- it's fucked up, yeah. Um, oh, I love this book. Yeah. That's that's why it's bittersweet. Like I said, I'm 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 sad to see it go, but at the same time, I could have read another 150. Yeah, I'm sad issues. to see it go, but I love to watch it leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like uh, just Dick like Grayson. Dick Grayson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, it, it, I, I, I would definitely read another 150 issues of this series. You know what I mean? Like I, I would now. I, now I'm just uh, imagining. Yeah. Now I'm just imagining somebody. With like, like, with like having like, you know, like those uh posters that people have, uh, like, like I guess teen girls have, where it's like just hot dudes, right? Just, just imagine like two posters side to side. One of them, Dick Grayson, <laughs> in a very like suggestive pose. The other one, every collected edition of Invincible, just a picture of it. <laughs> oh man. Uh. Wait, isn't Mark's name Grayson too? What's his name in this? Yeah, Mark Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> we just found a connection. <laughs> All right, yes, the Graysons, they got... The Graysons. The Graysons got, got, that. got that junk in the trunk. <laughs> it's like, blah, motherfuckers. Yeah, there you go. You think his dad had it? Well, it, you, there you was... Think Dick Grayson's it, dad was fucking stacked? Of course. Do you recall those issues where him and his mom were getting it on again when he came back to Earth? <laughs> <laughs> Remember they were like banging all over the place. In no, book, no, what? I don't. I you don't recall that? That was I, a thing. I don't think I I've read any Batman issues where we focused on Dick Grayson's parents. Oh no, 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 not Dick Grayson. Sorry, I'm talking about Invincible. I was talking about Invincible. When oh, no, his no, no, dad. Like, oh, I know oh, his dad is fucking going. Okay. I know yeah, his dad. I've seen that mustache. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> no, Dick's. I don't know the circuit circus freaks. Right? Maybe they. Uh... Well, no, they weren't circus freaks. They were acrobats. Right. So, oh, I mean, probably. Know. I mean, probably. <laughs> I meant freaks in the state. Not like actual freaks. Like Performers. Freaks the they're sack. carnies. Yeah. <laughs> they're carnies. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Invincible. Yeah. All right. Catch then, it, then, the long, The long-awaited uh, <laughs> conclusion to this episode. What, your last yes. book. <laughs> All right. So, I've made no bones about the fact that I love the Runaways. <laughs> right. They're my favorite superhero team. They're the book that cemented me into reading comics. I fucking love them. They introduced me to one of my favorite writers, Brian K. Vaughn. I yeah. goddamn love The Runaways. Yeah. This show would probably not exist without The Runaways. Wow. Yeah. So, when it was announced that there was a new Runaways book coming out, I was cautiously optimistic about it. Sure. You know what, with... But with a but with many books, you know, when they come back, not exactly being the best. This one, though, solid. You liked it. I really did. Nice. Mainly because right. yeah, I main, was worried. Main, yeah, mainly because it did things I didn't expect that make total fucking sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first main thing, Nico. Being stingy about her magic. Huh. Yes, because remember, for those who don't know, Nico Minoru, Sister Grimm, the de facto leader of the Runaways. She, her power is the Staff of One, which is a magic staff that lets you cast any spell in the world once. Right. And she has been doing this for a while. 
Like she is up on that. Interesting. She's been doing this for a few years now, involved in buttloads of horrible fucking nightmare fights. So she's running out of spells. I've no word of lie. I've thought of this myself before. I'm like, what's the deal with that? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so, so the issue actually starts out with her failing to set, failing to light her stove to cook some ramen. <laughs> yeah, like it starts out like she starts like she has like the stove going, it, like tries to light tries to light with the match, match goes out, fucking burns her finger, and then you just see her on the ground with an uncooked thing of ramen next to a pot. Just says Nico Minoru is a very powerful magician. <laughs> <laughs> and what's also kind of cool is they have a there there's a picture in here, uh like a I guess a selfie of the runaways back when Alex was on the team. Yeah, was taken by Molly, and it's done in the same kind of art style as the book was back when it came out. Okay, like this this is this is a new piece of art, but it looks like it did when things came out. Like it's Nico in the fucking like gothic Lolita shit with the fucking like bandana on with her weird anime hair. Right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, it's Alex not being evil or dead. It was cool, and we, and also. It also includes the fact that she was part of fucking A-Force. Oh, that's cool. They actually acknowledged it. Okay, Oh, yeah, cool. totally. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, Alex is back, by the way, now. So oh, yeah, I, I, I know Alex surprised. is back. But he's, like, yeah. he's, like, eating demons or something. Yeah, and Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah. that was the last time we seen them. Huh. Yeah. And so as she's sitting there lamenting her life, Chase shows up in, the, in Gertrude's parents' time machine, carrying Gertrude's semi-dead body. Oh. This whole thing... This whole book is presumably going to be dealing with the fact that Chase broke time to bring to bring Gertrude back from the dead. Was she the one with the dinosaurs? Yes, she was. She was arsenic, right. part of arsenic right. and old lace. She was the one what got stabbed by Alex's dad. Right. Yeah, she was the first runaway to die. Right, right, right. And yeah, so Chase goes back, gets her, and then fucking brings her to Nico, hoping that Nico can fucking bring her back from the dead. Despite the fact that's not how the magic works and the fact that she is basically out of spells. Right. And so a good and so a good chunk of like the actual um like drama and the tension in this issue is her trying to figure out what spell to use. Like, like, like there's a good like three or four pages in there, like a good like three or four panels in there, where it's just her like where it's just her like saying things to try to make spells happen and just bullshit happening and her just getting more and more frustrated. Sure. And it is really well done. Uh, the artist on this, uh, Chris Anka, he does a great job having just a wide fucking range of emotions on all these characters, having it all be real, having it all feel like these characters, but having them grown up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. And also, there's just another person in there, just a random, just a random fucking jobber, because they, okay. because like Gertrude was stabbed, but she wasn't dead yet. She was she was still dying, so Nico's like, hey, bring me a doctor. And she summons a podiatrist. <laughs> so the podiatrist is there just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> oh, and also we get a semi-return of Chase's X-ray specs. Okay. Yeah, because like uh, she because like uh the doctor's like, hey, I can't see what's happening in her. I don't know what, I don't know where the fucking damage is. So Nico says X-ray glasses and summons X-ray glasses that look like Chase's old ones. You're right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm glad you liked it. That's yeah. good to hear. And so, uh, Gertrude's back. Yeah. 
and presumably two to three years younger than all of her friends now. Right. Because Gertrude died years ago. Right. But yeah, this is interesting. This is actually a cool direction that they that they went with this book. Like, like Chase going back in time and interacting with Gert is something that has been established with the character. Nico and her spells is a really cool aspect that I for, that I completely never thought about just because I didn't just because the book ended before that became a real thing. Mm. We got a fucking teaser for things to come. We got fucking Gert back. We are gonna we're gonna be getting the band back together. We're gonna go fucking go down there and save the orphanage. It's gonna be fucking awesome. I'm glad this is back, and I'm glad it's fucking good. That's great. No, I am glad to hear that as well. That's really cool. I it was it was, it was dreading you gonna say like it wasn't. Oh was yeah, it good I, or something. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. I was dreading it too. But Chris Anka, Rainbow Rowell, roll. I'm sorry for pronouncing your name wrong. Keep this what? up. This is good. What? One quick question before you wrap up here uh, about it. Now, I know you have a love and knowledge and understanding of these characters already, though, but what would you think for new readers to these characters with this book? Are they going to click with it as hard as you did, necessarily? I don't think so. This is is very much a book for people who were fans of The Runaways. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's something wrong with that. That's good to hear, though. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Just give me a sec. Sorry about that, uh, roommate. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, this, this book, uh, it, yeah, like, like, uh, like Nico having her, like, you need, you need to have followed Nico in order to get a full, like, you need to, you need to, like, you need to have followed Nico through her adventures in order to get a real connection to her frustration and struggle that she's going through. You kind of need to have, like, that history of that relationship in order to understand why Chase would do this or who Chase is or who Gert is. Because there's a good right. chance that anybody who's, like, Anybody who's been introduced to the Runaways in the last, like, seven years has no idea who Gertrude is. Mm-hmm. Because Gertrude no. died a while no. back. Like, back when, the, yeah. back when the Runaways was still happening. Yeah, no, they wouldn't have a knowledge of her. Plus, like, the, the characters that we have followed have been scattered throughout various series where they actually haven't focused on them to the point where, like, they're in this setting once again with all everyone together yeah. again. Now we're yeah, getting yeah, fucking yeah. Nico. We got Chase. We got Molly. We got Carolina. We got Old Lakes. We got motherfucking Gertrude, kids. Yeah, that's cool. All right. I'm and if this book goes on this long, and if this book if this book goes on long enough, I really hope they team up with fucking Power Man and Iron Fist in order to go beat the shit out of Alex. Oh, you know he has to make an appearance again. They have again to. They have book. to fucking have go to, to hell and yeah. bitch slap him. They have to. Yeah. What's his last name? Ian Mansfield or Wilder. something like that. Wilder. I don't know why I thought Mansfield. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's right. Alex Wilder. Yeah, he uh, was actually. I, I actually really liked him showing up in that Power Man and Iron Fist. I liked his. Uh, I I I, I like not necessarily. I love what they did with him, but I like that he's back and he was a villain again. I did. I did like that aspect of it. Yeah, me personally. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. That's cool. Anywho, yeah. That's about reading then. News-wise, we only have really have one kind of big thing now that I've separated, like, movie news, about comics right. and comic news. All right. Uh, so, Tom King just teased yes. something out on Twitter. Yes, I've seen this. Yeah, uh, yeah. so Tom King tweeted out a new thing with the, t- with the tag, sneak peek at, at a new, parentheses, secret thing. And it is a hand with people kneeling around it as it bursts into flames. 
Yeah, and Jason Fabok it looks like drew it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like art looks like Jason Fabok, and then Fabok also tweeted out a thing uh, working on a secret project with a secret writer. Here's a secret sneak peek: lots of snow. Oh, that I didn't see. Okay. Yeah. So Tom King and Jason Fabok teaming up for a secret thing. I mean, I like both Fuck, those I'm people. Down. Yeah. Yeah, but any did you see any uh theories as to what that was though? Nope. Or I yeah, me neither. Just hey, it's yeah. a thing that's happening. Fuck, I don't know. Like like you said, if they're teaming up though, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah, it's some fucking sure. hot shit. It's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be cool. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Birdie's gonna hate it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's gonna be so overwritten for him. <laughs> Although very quickly, I just want to say, uh, I we didn't talk about it today. Uh, I am down as all the praise I give for Tom King, though. I am down on his current arc of Batman. Yeah, the War of Joke and Riddles. Yeah, that I, 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 and I remember you had some issues with it when it was starting out, and I was still loving it at the start. But right now, it's a little getting a little long in the tooth, to be honest. Like it's a little bit. It's kind of like, yeah. I keep, waiting, I keep waiting for. I keep waiting for like, hey, this is the last issue of the Joke of War and Riddles or the War of Joke and Riddles, but then it never yeah. comes. Yeah, because I find the way that he's extended that storyline currently, it's almost showing his hand in his bag of tricks, the Tom King skills that he's got. And it's kind of, it's just way too, it's almost like a Scott Snyder fucking huge epic fucking storyline it's going into right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, all right, enough's enough. Move on. Yeah. But still think he's great. But just, I just wanted, I just wanted to say that one thing. So there you go, Birdie. (laughs) That was for you. That's going to do it for this week. Thank God for joining us. I'm about to piss my pants. Oh, sorry. Yeah, right. So we'll be back in two weeks. Time to listen to the Pros.com. Have a podcast in between now and then, though. We got bullshit coming out. I don't fucking know. Screw it. Burp. Until then, I'm dead. I'm Neeks. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>